Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Station. Sabonis, and the pass is thrown away, give it to Yoke, to This is Dirt and Sprague. Kuznard will inbound, gets it to Tracy, right back to Kuznard, looking to break the OSU press, passes to Rigsby, across the timeline, Rigsby to the basket, he slams it home! With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. LeBron... Rocking it. Step back. Three on the way. The fifth three of this quarter for LeBron James. There's that signature move. And Dave on the other end. In this quarter, he's taking the challenge. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. The fan. All right. 602 in the Rose City. Time for Dirt and Sprague on Portland's sports leader 1080. The fan. Let's go. A Wait. Joe Fish a dish. Look at that. We're what? just rolling through uh, the cavalcade of fan stars this week, aren't we? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> no, I know. It's hard to talk to yourself, and I'm busy over here doing 72 different things, and so it's uh, it's good for you. I'm a radio slut. What do you want from me? That's Digging fine, real, man. Real, real uh, low at the bottom of the barrel there. Uh, yeah, we're quite literally at the bottom of the barrel. Well, at least I'm here Monday through Friday. I mean, you know, you call up that bum Patrick and have him in here. He just shows up when he gets the call. Well, he shows up when he's not even supposed to be here. Yeah. I got an interesting call <laughs> yesterday during a birthday dinner from one P. Harris. Patrick Harris? Didn't realize that the Ducks were playing on a Wednesday night last night that preempted. Does he not check your schedule? Uh, that's kind. Of, he's like, what's the protocol? And is that a producer thing? Is that? I'm like, I send the schedule to what's every. The, what's the protocol? Exactly. I'm like, you're included on the distribution list. I send that thing out. Everybody it. has it. I hate that email. I get it every week. Again, for someone who's here Monday through Friday, I'll be like, yeah, I get that email. Too. I'm like, they're you know, posted I'm in both checking. studios. I'm, I'm going to have to stand up for my hot corner boys real quick. 
it happens every Wednesday night. <laughs> it's every Wednesday night. You are literally making the schedule and putting something else under the Wednesday slot. <laughs> I will text you right now. It'll take me 10 to 15 seconds to send. No hot corner. Yeah. Ducks basketball. Yeah. Just c- courtesy text. Oh. You know, How I, long have we been the flagship for Oregon Ducks now? Six not, years? Not as long as the uh, hot corner has been on air for. Okay. That's but- true. <sighs> That's I'm true. just saying, information is responsibility. And the hot mm. corner makes the station so much more money than the Ducks, I'm sure. Don't check the spreadsheets. It's a rating bonanza, actually. Yeah, don't, don't check the spreadsheets. More people were, look, just especially... Take my, take my word for it. Especially last night's game. They wanted to listen to the hot corner more than listen to my beeves lose the last Civil War that will ever be played. Well, let's not overreact. I mean, it's... Not oh, they're the definitely going to keep the basketball oh, going. Oh, no, no, no. You guys are reading that wrong. It is the last one. Will they play non-conference? Yeah. yeah. It don't count. The football thing, they're going to play it. It's going to be feel dead. Yes, they are no longer conference foes. No, so it makes it kind of irrelevant, to be honest with well, you. And let's be real. Nobody cares about Oregon or Oregon State basketball yeah. at this point. So They're not having great seasons, that's for sure. Oregon's like... Well, the Ducks are the very definition of a bubble team. They're going to have yeah. a record that is worthy of consideration, but they do not have... It, it all depends on what they do Saturday down in Tucson. I, I, think I that, disagree with that. I, I, I'm to the point where I say they have to damn near win the conference that's, tournament. I'm, after I think that ship sailed when they lost to Cal. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's kind of how I viewed it, too. When that happened, I'm like, okay, so three straight years yeah. of no tournament appearance. Well, so. tell you, look, Cal's like sixth in the conference at 9-9. Nine and nine. <laughs> They're 13-15. and 15. <laughs> I understand the non-conference didn't go well, but they're 9-9 nine and nine in the Pac-12. I don't think, yeah, but I don't think that's going to... No, it doesn't help their case, but it let's hurts not case. say Cal was the worst loss of the season. So no, I would say Cal was the worst loss at the worst time of the season. Yeah. Time-wise, it's not a good loss. I think before this Oregon State game, they were like 5-6 and six in their last 11 games. Yeah. yeah. No Ducks in the tournament. No Pitt Panthers in the tournament this year either. No Beavers in the tournament. Damn well, it. I mean, No Huskies in the tournament. <sighs> we got some Cougars in the tournament, though. Yeah, Cougs, Cougs should be in. I still can't believe that's happening. I'm uh I'm riding I'm riding on fumes and I don't mean that as in like I'm exhausted. I'm just I got woke up four times last night. Oh, me too, buddy. Uh-oh. By what I thought was my house being blown over. A little gusty out there on the east side. Oh, it wasn't a little gusty. It it was like full on like I thought mm. a tree was falling on my deck. Grab the kids. We go have to go to the cellar. Yeah, it kind of felt like a twister scene. <laughs> I was like the windows are going to shatter any second here. And it just it woke me up like get, 3 4 get times. Get to the storm cellar. Yeah. And then I'll hold the door even though, you know, it's just going to suck me out like or an idiot. You can uh tie yourself off to a a pipe with your belt. Here, let me ask you this. In that movie, <laughs> Does does the little uh, does little Helen Hunt the little kid and the mom, they don't get sucked out, right? No, I mean Helen Hunt makes right. it to the end exactly yeah. uh, because what, of the leather belt. No, what happens there though is the dad does get sucked out. Yes, the door goes with the dad, so the mom and the daughter still don't get sucked out even without the cellar door. But the know. dad felt the need to. I'm holding it. Oh, you would have been fine, you moron. Is that the at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, that's yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. I need to that's rewatch what, Twister. Uh, that's oh, what so spurs good. her uh, her obsession obsession yeah. with discovering yep how tornadoes originate. Trying to warn to people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have a hot take. I think that dad was gonna leave the family, and he didn't know what to do. So that was his out. He's like, <laughs> I'd rather be dead. 
That's the hot take of Twister. I think the dad wanted to die. Please. <laughs> they didn't find the suicide note because he forgot to put it in the most obvious place, well, but it up, blew yeah, away. It, it was in his pocket. Me. Oh, no! <laughs> but he had a suicide note. He just didn't leave it. Yeah. Release a sweet death, I hope we didn't please. spoil that movie for anyone. Oh. It came out in 96. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, There'll be somebody. <laughs> I saw, so two days ago, I forgot to bring this up on the show yesterday, but now that you're here, Fish, I thought you'd enjoy this too. I'm driving home, I get off of 405, and I I take this, because I live on the east side, so I go over the Ross Island Bridge to 99 every day, uh, unless I go to therapy. And yesterday, or two days ago, I'm driving home, and I'm at a stoplight right off of 405. And there's a car that pulls next to me on my left, and I look over, and it, it had, you know, four, five, six bumper stickers on it. And I always like to read bumper stickers. Are you a political bumper sticker person? Are you a weirdo bumper sticker person? Are you like an alien? Are you a marathoner? Are you a marathoner, a proud parent of a GPA in sixth grade? Honk if you're horny. Yeah, like what are are you? Are you a specific dog lover? Yes. And I lean over and there's three bumper stickers and one catches my eye. And I had to read it three times to make sure I was reading it right. Oh, was it one of those punny ones? No, it's it's maybe the weirdest bumper sticker I've uh, ever seen on a car. And I've seen some weird bumper stickers. This is Portland. This one said, just plain white bumper sticker in black font. Tom Brady licks his kids to sleep. <laughs> that is all it said. And there was no football stuff on this car. There wasn't like a Raider logo, a Dolphin logo. It just... It was this, and it was like two other nondescript bumper stickers that are so irrelevant. I don't remember what they were. This one said, Tom Brady licks his kids to sleep. Talk about making mm. a mountain out of a molehill. He sees that one video of his, let's let's be real, uh, longer than needed uh, kiss with his son on the massage table. I, you know, look, <laughs> uh, we talked about this when it happened. He kisses Kraft. He kisses his dad. He kisses his kids. I, I, some people have this in them. I stopped kissing people when I was like nine. I was like, oh, stop. What are we doing? I, I don't remember what like news channel and what city it was, but I remember when that happened, them going like doing a man on the street interview with people like, how do you feel about this? <laughs> like getting people's opinion on Tom Brady kissing his child. And there are some people like, ah, man, I don't like showing them the video right then and there and getting instant reaction. I'm like, really? Slow, slow news day in uh, whatever city. Well, what at what point in your life would you Licks say his kid? Like, I want to put if, this on my car. Um, maybe it's a joke that I just missed. Maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, well, I don't want to be a Giants fan because I mean, you don't really it's real. You they don't, won. Why I, would I was you gonna, I was gonna say? I want to be them. It's got to be yeah. Dolphins, Bills, Jets fan. Maybe Colts. Know. He lost his fantasy league, and that was the punishment. Uh, I yeah. have no idea. Dude, yeah. I, I'm looking right now. I just Googled it out of curiosity. I'm not seeing this as a real bumper sticker. So this person <laughs> made a bumper sticker that says I would Tom Brady licks his I'm kids. Starting to I, think I would, it's I would a, scrub a that uh, search history once we're done here, and just, just in case. I've looked up way worse things on this laptop than that. <laughs> well, AI, man, you never know what's going to pop up now. There is a reason my computer's always having to restart. I don't know what it is, you know? What do it's, I do? It's smoking for some reason over there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so he like, uh, is it like a soothing thing? Like to put his child to sleep as if he's like a dog or a cat, like grooming oh. his child. <laughs> I just like, why would you want that on your car? Why would you want people to read that? That's, uh, 
It's a bold move, Cotton. See if it pays off. I think it's questionable enough to want to put like a, a politician's name on your car. I, st- I still see some cars in my, my uh, side of town. I still see cars. I saw one not long ago with a uh, an Al Gore bumper sticker for president. I'm like, holy crap. Can you scrape that what off? Was that 2000? It was 2000. You want to talk about uh, doing a recount of the votes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but like, that's 24 years ago. Yeah. He was saying stop the count before it was even cool. Mm. No, actually, he was like, all right, you counted. I lost. Bye. <laughs> he wasn't like What a, a bitch. He wasn't questioning anything. He's like, all right, I lost. 500 yeah. votes. Bye. He's all the, the stuff with Trump. He's like, wait, I could have done that? <laughs> I could have submitted like 500 court cases. What? It's bad enough that we have a president that like looks asleep while he's eating ice cream, talking about Gaza. (laughs) And the other one's just going to tell you that it was either rigged if he loses or, of course, it was a clean election if he wins. I like pumpernickel. (laughs) God. Do you think he's a Spumoni fan? This year's going to be really wild at the end of it, isn't it? Biden's a Spumoni fan, I bet you. No, it was a straight vanilla cone. That's, come on, man. You got We got better options out there. It's 2024. Very you know, odd look of a... Dude, we had someone throw a, a ice cream out our window in the building yesterday. What? No. Yeah. Over by... Coo- uh, not uh, Kugloods. Over Kurt Ludwig. He was just sitting there and we just hear a thud. Like a Sunday or an ice cream It cone. was like as if they just took the top off their cone and just hurled it at the window. Jeez. I mean, I'll take that. We had a literal, we did have a broken window for a while. So I we guess did. I'll take it an ice cream being thrown in. It was chocolate chip cookie dough. I'm like, what are we what are we doing? That's I would a good al- flavor. I would also say like when I would have finished that for you. We used to get in here and there would be like there was just human crap sometimes. That's yeah, true. there was one uh older uh person that was often at the front steps. We're pretty sure he's dead. I'm gonna guess that that's leg. The case. I don't know what that leg was, but uh, man, it it was, looked fake. It was like it was black. It was black. That's true. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. You know now. who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. I remember at the old place showing up one morning to a giant bag of weed. Mm. You remember that? No. Yeah, there was like a giant- Grubhub. <laughs> now that's a genius idea. Just Delivery leave, weed. Just leave my weed on the front doorstep. Really. No, it was like a garbage bag of like untrimmed weed. It was like still on the stem and- Someone just left it there? Yes. Man, we got a cake once from a listener. I shouldn't say this out loud, but this was years ago. <laughs> and it was a show that's no longer on the air, but it was on the air. And they had something delivered from a listener. And it was a nice gesture- we were not allowed to touch it because we were worried about like I don't know yeah. anthrax or whatever the hell it was. something yeah. yeah and it was I was just a listener doing a nice thing and it was like hey, can't yeah, eat this just thought it was poisoned well nothing will top the weed brownie incident oh what did you not hear about that you remember that swag the weed brownies vaguely yeah somebody brought weed brownies and one of our former coworkers she was a sales exec. Nobody told her, nobody told anybody, and she grabbed one, and she was at her desk, and she's like, I'm not feeling very good. <laughs> yeah. And she had to go home. Uh, whose idea was it to bring in some weed brownies? And they just put it in the kitchen with like a sign, like, help yourself? Uh, was it our listener? Was it a KGON listener? Did I we think know? it was a KGON listener, yeah. But breaking news, nobody knew there was weed in it. Yeah. We just thought it was somebody from our building <laughs> bringing in brownies. It's a nice gesture. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's why we eat almond rokas now. That's right. That's, that's going to be eating almond roca for the <laughs> decades, man. No kidding. That's an HR nightmare right there, man. or a really good time, um, but not for that person. It sounded no. like they were not enjoying it. It did not go well for them. They did not enjoy that ride. I need to go home. 
We have three guests today, Joe. Yeah, that's that's a lot. It is a lot, but they're pretty timely guests. David, I'm down. David I'm down. Sampson covers Major League Baseball. Uh, he works for Metal Arc Media. He's got his own podcast, Nothing Personal. Former president exec of the Marlins. Uh, Barrett was on our station a couple days ago at the X-Golf uh, Fan Winter Golf Classic. So I want to ask, I'm going to play a clip for David Sampson, and we'll talk to him how he's reading the expansion where Portland and Salt Lake are. I got a couple other baseball questions. Is it the Dodgers of the field? So we'll talk with David Sampson at 6.30. At 7.30, Chris Mannix wrote a piece on Dame Lillard. Excited about that. I, I, I'm going to have to sneak in a boxing question for old Chris Mannix. Yeah, Mannix is a big boxing guy, so you sneak in the boxing questions. We'll talk some hoops with Mannix at 7.30. And at 8, Ken Barkley, hopefully he'll have some news on if something was done over the last week or so. Tell you what that is and get his thoughts on some of the, uh, the action going forward in sports gambling. Uh, it is a busy show. Let's start. Let's start with this. We'll start with college football, something we may get to again later in the show. Some interesting college football news came out yesterday. That's next on The Fan. Uh, we'll get to the Timbers story. There's a Portland Timbers story that's insane, and of course it happens to the Timbers. <laughs> uh, season just started, too, so... One game in. Um, at least they won. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's going to be bad, though, if they start playing really poorly, and, and this is how we start off our seasons with this story, and then... They suck. Uh, David Sams is going to join us at 6.30. So let's get to this college football note. This is from Ross Dellinger. Others had it as well. Pete Thamel, I think, came out with it as well. Uh, I saw it from Dellinger. So they haven't approved anything. There, nothing is in concrete. But as this stuff just morphs and changes, I think it's fair to talk about and bring up. Uh, the 14-team expanded playoff, even though we haven't even had year one with 12. <laughs> That appears as if it's almost done. You know, if, it, if this was a football comp, I'd say we're in the red zone. Scott Hansen's going live to the college football world. They're in the red zone now with this. We'll see if they concrete, you know, sign, dot the I's, cross the T's. Uh, this is how it's going to work. We got the outline for it. Three autom automatic qualifiers for the SEC. Three automatic qualifiers for the Big Ten. Two for the ACC Two for the Big 12, one group of five automatic qualifier, and three at-larges. Uh, the SEC and the Big 10, many people responded and said, eh, it's kind of a win, they wanted four, they only got three. And I laughed and I went, you don't think they're going to get those next three automatic spots? You don't think they're going to get the, the next three highest ranked after all the qualifiers have been reached? You don't think those two conferences are going to be the ones to fill those slots? You're insane. Yeah, this is college football is so weird in the sense that I mean, sports are like this in general, but it's like you, you just mentioned it. We haven't even gotten to year one of the 12 team and we're already like, nope, not good enough. And then to cater to Big Ten and SEC, like I get it. I, I, I understand why they're doing that. But also, isn't it a little bit annoying? Like in a sense, like oh, I think college football is. I think college football is as alive as it's ever been, and it's also dead. They have lost who they are. They've yeah. lost their identity. They've lost fans through this stuff. Uh, I think even diehard fans of certain teams, like that, have gone to new conferences or don't know the future of their current conference. I, I think everybody's about tired of this. Well, what's to say that they're not just going to scrap this and? two three years after doing it because at that point we only have two super conferences 
I mean, that's what Petiti wants. He wants to go to 16 because he wants his conference to get, like, four automatic qualifiers. Well, and you already have some people vouching to, like, Big Ten and SEC. They just need to break off and do their own thing and start their own committee, their own league, and yeah. start running their own play. So it's like, to, to put this at 2026, I, I don't know, like... Also, it kind of seems like they can just do whatever they want whenever they want. Well, they can do whatever they want whenever they want, seemingly, but it, they, they don't do it quick enough. They know they wanted 12 years ago. They just kept riding out with the four. And I know, media contracts. The media is working with these people. They're doing anything and everything they want when they want. They're just slow out the gate with some of this stuff. It's, I don't know, I, I find a lot of just the college sports conversation uh, beyond mildly annoying at this point. I was thinking about this the other day with the expanded NCAA tournament, right? We've heard them, they want a 96. Let's let's do 96. No, let's not. Right, everybody says that, but what's interesting is they're actually considering it, and they might do it. Do you know who would make the NCAA tournament right now if they did the field of 96? It's a Pac-12 team. Duh. Just throw out a guess. I'm going to say, because I'm trying to think of, like, Utah? No, the Washington Huskies, who have not had a good year, they're not a good basketball team. They would make the tournament. And you know the danger of this? The danger of stuff like that? How do you evaluate a coach? You're going to fire a coach? He's just going to claim, I made the tournament. tournament. I mean, what do you want? (laughs) Did we win a game? Like a, A bad team with a bad coach might actually be able to win a game or two in a field of 96. And then what do you do? So I... I don't know, man. Like in the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, Big 12, all of this, you keep expanding that playoff, and maybe it'll stop at 16 eventually. But if it goes past 16 even, you're kind of in the same thing. Like what do you do if you're A&M and your coach consistently makes the playoff because it's 24, but they don't win a title? You, are you going to fire a guy because he didn't win a title? I, I mean, I, I know they fired um, uh, Jimbo because of that, but they paid Jimbo like $100 million. My point is, how do you determine when a coach comes and goes with this stuff? But specifically in football, I'm not shocked that this is the outline of what they want to do. I just think it's funny that we're acting like the Big Ten and SEC isn't going to get those final three spots based on highest ranked teams. Yeah, I mean, because that's the with it being conference automatic qualifiers like that. That third SEC team, that third Big Ten team, those could be the 15th, 16th, 20th ranked team in the country already. Yep. And, I mean, kind of look at how the SEC played last year. I mean, I I would have to see how the final uh, college football rankings or what the one was going into the college football playoff. But it's it's not like the SEC had a deep year. Like, it was really top-heavy. And so... I think some years, yeah, those three at-large bids are going to go to SEC and Big Ten because of the favoritism towards, especially now that their conferences are so much bigger and have better teams, that, yeah, there's going to be that favoritism towards them already. So when they look at those three spots, is it going to be a Big Ten, an SEC team? I don't you know. Time will tell, but will time the, tell? The I mean, way, don't, we, don't we know this? I was guys, gonna say, but the way that things have played out over the last ten years is that SEC is always getting the nod, and with the Big Ten now being the conference that's right there nipping at their heels with their teams and their portfolio of schools that they have, I I'd be hard to disagree with you on that. That that 
those three at-large bids are going to go to anybody else. Maybe you get a... Uh, well, not Cincinnati because they're going to be in the big. Notre Dame order. is the wild card team that would get this because they don't have a conference affiliation. I'm going to go through this. This is the final. These are the final rankings. Okay, uh, let me see the final. F- okay, I'll just give you these rankings. This is the AP, so obviously not the CFP, but pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. Michigan, Big Ten, Washington, Big Ten, Texas, SEC, Georgia, SEC, Alabama, SEC, Florida State, ACC, Oregon, Big Ten, Missouri, SEC, Ole Miss, SEC, Ohio State, Big Ten. Those are the top ten. Next, uh, Arizona, Big 12, LSU, SEC, Penn State, uh, Big Ten, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, SEC. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yesterday's news wasn't stunning by any stretch, but... I don't know. I, I saw that information from Ross Dellinger, and again, it's not a done deal. Maybe they'll bail out. Who knows? But all the intel says this is kind of the model they want, and if that's the model they want, Joe, this is how it's going to shape out, basically year by year. Now, maybe you some year, maybe Miami figures this out or whatever. Largely, though, this is what it's going to be. It's the SEC Big Ten with a little sprinkling of Big Twelve, ACC, and a Notre Dame. We've been hearing about it. We've been this has been talked about more and more ever since the realignment has just gotten crazy with teams leaving. And uh, you know, SEC and Big Ten, this is exactly what they wanted. But again, it's like who's to even say at this point that this is gonna be what actually happens in twenty twenty six and beyond. For yeah. I mean, they might be doing this for a few years. I mean, who knows what the college landscape is gonna look like in twenty twenty eight with college football. Because I mean, people are saying too, college football Division One, the uh, Power Five, they just need to basically break off and make it one big league of their own. Yeah, no. And I... then at that point, you're just taking the 14, 16 teams out of that group and then whoever the top 16 and then, you know, Power Five, independent school, whoever you are, tough ass, essentially. That's what they're going to say. Um, all right, let's go. David Sampson used to uh, be the president exec of the of the Miami Marlins. He is now in media. He's got a podcast, Nothing Personal. I want to get his thoughts on the expansion of MLB, where he thinks Portland sits versus Salt Lake. I got a Barrett clip I want to play him, get his thoughts on that. David Sampson joins us next. Well, that's the music we play for the moment we get our team. The sun is shining on us, and we're a Major League Baseball city. At least that's the hope. David Sampson, Nothing Personal, the podcast, Metal Arc Media. Former exec in Major League Baseball on Twitter, at David P. Sampson. He joined us last year to talk about this. I wanted to get him on again. I'm a big fan of his. And so he joins us now. David, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us. Good morning. My pleasure. Uh, I will start with, uh, we want Major League Baseball. You're well aware of this. We don't know who the whole group is. We get a couple people publicly. One is a former Blazer broadcaster. The other one is an exec from Nike. They're the ones that largely do the talking of this stuff, and they always say, we're not the money guys. Have you done any digging or found out anything about the Portland Diamond Project group and who might be backing this stuff financially? No, but you bring up a great point in that whoever is doing the public side, the reason why you leave the money person out is that when you're putting a group together to do expansion or relocation, Start with expansion where it could be up to a $2 billion expansion fee or a billion. Let's just make it easy and say it's a billion dollars. Then you've got to get a ballpark done. Then you've got to invest in, in creating an organization, which means minor league teams and putting your infrastructure together, your baseball department, 
sales, marketing. It's, it's starting a company from scratch, but not building a company and waiting for revenue. You have to have the entire company going before you sell a ticket. Now, of course, Portland could sell personal seat licenses or could get ticket deposits from people in anticipation. But remember, you're going to be running a team for multiple years before you have your first major league game. That's what expansion is. And the, the finances required are so significant. The numbers are so large that there is not a fully baked group anywhere that's fully funded and fully financed. You're still looking for partners, so you really don't want to get out ahead of that. David, uh, my producer Swag, we we had a debate like a week ago on this, and and we differ, and I'm curious where you'll end up on it. Uh, is there a point where you do introduce who the the maybe the biggest of names of this group are? Like, is there a point for you? where it would be important to let the public know, like, yeah, we have the money, and oh, by the way, here is the people with the money, because they're, they're kind of sitting at this not-telling-us spot right now, and they keep teasing, like, eventually, if they get to a certain point, they will. Is it important, you think, for their yeah, their efforts, for the city support stuff, to allow us to know who those backers are, or would you not do that? Only if you don't want a team. So it's totally up to you. If you want to know who the money is, then you won't get a team. And he, why do I say that? Major League Baseball, the commissioner, and the owners who are going to be voting for which city gets expansion and then which ownership group gets it, they don't want people getting ahead of themselves and getting out there in public before they've got approval and before they've got a team. So the smart people around the country who want to own a team, they are very, very quiet. So the Portland Diamond Project, they've said that uh, they, they are not going to need any public funding or uh, taxpayer money to, uh, It's and this is where I'm going. It's like, wow, that was a quick groan. Well, and this is my question is, do you feel like that is disingenuous and that a new team, stadium, everything that goes into that will not happen unless, unless there is money coming from the public or taxpayer money? Because, I mean, you take a poll in the city of Portland, I think you'd get 99% of uh, residents saying, uh, hell no, you're not taking a dime from us. There is no chance to get a team without public subsidies. Zero. There's no chance to get a corporation to move to Portland without public subsidies. Nobody does anything without public subsidies. So I want to make sure that people understand that. Anytime you get a new corporation or a corporation stays there uh, as a home office, there are tax breaks and incentives. That is very normal. Mm -hmm. And it is page one of an owner playbook. Never say, I'll do it all myself. Because you're lying the minute your mouth opens. Now, is it possible the stadium itself will be privately financed? That's semantics because you need public infrastructure. You need better roads. You need utilities. You need all sorts of things to help a stadium operate and function. And that would come from the public. You may need environmental cleanup at a site and that would be paid for by the public. So while the building itself may not, because it is semantics, it's important for an owner to never go out and say that, Hey, my name is David Sampson, and we will never use public money. It just makes you look like an idiot when you do. 
David Sampson's our guest here, former exec, Major League Baseball, now doing his own podcast. Nothing personally, just celebrated his 1,000th episode. He's been doing this for quite some time, and he's joining us here. We're talking about the Portland Diamond Project. We did an event out at an indoor golf simulator. Uh, we called it our Fan Winter Golf Classic, David. And one of the people that's speaking for the group is a former Blazer broadcaster, Mike Barrett. And he's talked about this for a couple years now since this group has come to light in some ways and one thing was brought up about salt lake and i want to get your thoughts i'm going to play a clip for you and it's kind of right. his or the group's position of salt lake time zone wise and if that plays a factor and also having just you know politically public support for a group so here's the clip and if i'm salt lake i don't want the A's to move to vegas because are they going to really put another team in the mountain time zone not that far from salt lake and denver and you have a cluster of three when you look at the when you look at the map and you look at baseball where there are teams, there is this massive hole yep. out where we are. Got one. And, you know, I, Commissioner Manfred talked, well, it has, how long has it been? Five years ago, talked about needing another team in the Pacific time zone in order for, I mean, for the, you know, when you're a commissioner, you're talking about time zones. You're talking about TV start times and first pitch times. And that's why I think that we are still, even though, Salt Lake really has, has dialed things up and they have massive political support. And we've said from the beginning, you need to have elected, well, we, we were told that, we, you need to have elected officials as your champions in this thing. So they've done a good job of dialing that in and they're trying to seize some momentum. So David, that's not something I would have thought about. That was interesting when Barrett said that, like time zone playing a factor and how they may feel confident as a group if it's Salt Lake versus Portland and where the A's end up. What does all of that stuff mean to you? So when we looked at expansion and we were studying that while I was in the game as part of committees I was on, we were looking at expansion and we were looking at realignment. And when you do look at realignment, some, sometimes it, we even looked at radical realignment like Yankees and Mets in the same division type of thing, like eight divisions of four teams, like no American League, no National League. I mean, we looked at some very, you know, outside-the-box things. And one of the things that you do factor in is start times and time zones. However, what is way more important when you are looking at expansion is whether or not that city will be able to actually support a team and that you are not adding a revenue-sharing recipient. They want to add a revenue-sharing payor, or at worst, revenue-sharing neutral, but really you want a revenue-sharing payor. You want to make the pot bigger. You want to make it so there is more sharing of money, and that takes precedence. In terms of travel time, Portland, Salt Lake, multiple West, West teams or mountain time teams, is it something to be considered? I would say yes. Is it something that is dispositive? The answer is absolutely not. So when you talk amongst your peers, and I don't know how much this pops up in these types of conversations, the city of Portland and their expansion efforts, but what is the general feeling that you get for an MLB team in Portland in general and, and also compare Port what Portland has to a city like Salt Lake? Because if you have been getting a pulse of like Jeff Passan and people in the media is that they've essentially leapfrogged Portland uh, as the West Coast team. What are, what's the kind of uh, the feeling that you get from people that you've talked to? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of posturing. So leapfrogging is a great word. I like that word because by definition in leapfrog, when you have leaped somebody, you then get left. And so it's a back and forth. And what MLB is trying to do is raise the level of all potential candidates. 
And if they lose Vegas as an expansion candidate, which they plan to do, they need multiple cities on the West Coast. And that includes Salt Lake City when I say that. Multiple cities sort of west of the Mississippi to be candidates for expansion. So it is important, if not critical for MLB, that Salt Lake City and Portland are both ready to go. So there can be bidding that happens to maximize what the fee would be and then maximize what the likelihood of success will be. What he pointed out there about public support is so important, uh, which is why an owner in Portland or a spokesperson saying, hey, no public money needed. Public support, public official support is a prerequisite for getting one of these teams to getting an expansion team because you will need help. I would like to point out a change that's happened that has helped Portland, and I want to give your audience sort of a bit of positive news, is that it's no longer a huge factor what size your media market is. And that was a that used to be the number one factor when looking at expansion or relocation is what will the TV deal be and what's the DMA, what number market is the DMA because of the implosion of the regional sports network business and the need for teams now to figure out streaming and other ways to monetize their live programming. The fact that Portland is a smaller media market is not a demerit the way it used to be. David, I, I, I could talk with you for an hour and a half on this stuff. Unfortunately, I'm in live radio and I have a clock, but I do. I have to ask you this. At, at, well, I'll give you a two-parter. Dodgers of the field, first of all. Our producer is a massive Dodgers fan who's already complaining about his fourth starter. It's annoying. Uh, and <laughs> the, other, the other thing I want to ask you as we get you out of here, if you were still in baseball, if you were still one of these representatives for a team and you're in these meetings with owners or with the commissioner, where would you lean right now? And I know that there's so much that has to happen. And you say you get you leap and then you get leapt. Right? It's a back and forth. Where would you lean on Salt Lake versus Portland at this moment to you? Well, listen, that that is such a, a I don't want to say a silly question, but a tough question. Okay. Where would I lean? I've always loved Portland, uh, which is nothing against Salt Lake because if I were on the radio in Salt Lake, I would say that I love Salt Lake because it's true. <laughs> I love them both. And I think that they both can have baseball. I see a world where they can. So I, I don't think that there's anyone in the lead at the moment. And the other point is when you're running a marathon, leading the marathon at mile 13 is useless. Mm. You don't want to be the stalking horse. You don't want to be the leader and then run out of gas and get past at mile 20. And it is a marathon. And you know that in Portland and you've been doing this for decades. So this is as close as Portland's gotten because expansion's happening. It is absolutely happening as soon as Oakland and Tampa get themselves together. So this is the reason for optimistic, at, to be optimistic. As for your World Series question, I have a guaranteed answer for you. Mm. Anyone who offers you Dodgers or the field, take the field. Yeah, It is a guarantee. The Dodgers signed a designated hitter and then a Japanese pitcher who may be an ace or he may be vice kit. We don't know exactly what Yamamoto is going to be. What we do know is that complaining about a four starter may sound upsetting to you, but the point is Dodgers pitching is mediocre. And we learned last year when the Dodgers got swept by the Diamondbacks that if Betts and Freeman just go cold for three games and you get Kershaw giving it up in the first inning, all of a sudden you're home on the couch watching the playoffs with the rest of the teams. 
So I would say it is really hard to win the off season and then translate that to winning the World Series. And I would know. I've won the off season and then lost 90 games. And I've lost the off season and won a World Series. So there really is no correlation. So for all the Dodgers fans out there, if you're starting your ticker tape parade celebration, I would say that is quite premature. Well, David, we appreciate the time, and we have an event out here called Hood to Coast. I know you're a marathon runner. It's a it's a team event, but it's it's a lot of fun. We start at Mount Hood and we run all the way to the beach, and then people just get hammered and drunk and have a big party on the beach. If you're ever interested in coming out west, let's get you back on to talk baseball. Maybe in a couple of weeks, we'd love to just talk baseball as it is with the teams and the all the division I would love race. It. Okay, great. Thank you for hopping on with us this morning. Yeah. You had me at hammered. Have a good one. <laughs> well, hey, I wanted to let you know your story on taking a dump in somebody's house during a marathon and then leaving. Uh, it's one of the most disgusting stories I've ever heard in my entire That's life. That's dedication, David. I want you to know that when it comes to defending my life, when I die, that is definitely going to come up and I will have nothing to say. I'm so mortified by it. Oh, nothing's personal, right, David? <laughs> Exactly. Own it. Own it. You're fine. There we go. David Sampson, Nothing Personal Podcast, former exec, Major League Baseball, giving us his thoughts on expansion on Twitter, at David P. Sampson. Thanks, David. Have a great day. Bye-bye. There we go. Good stuff. David Sampson. Uh, Let's react to some of what he said there. Dirt and Sprague back with more on The Fan. Our thanks again to David Sampson, Nothing Personal Podcast. Um... Let's, yeah. let's go around and do this. We'll get back into it in the final hour in case you missed that interview with David Sampson talking about the Portland Diamond Project, us versus Salt Lake. Where Did he leave you anywhere? Did he make you feel anything about where? Because, you know, I listened to the Barrett interview yesterday. I missed it when it was live. I was coaching my girls' basketball team. And, you know, I, I, I understand. Someone like Mike Barrett or somebody connected to that group turns on a radio and hears me or somebody that maybe complains about something and it feels like it's negativity or somebody on Twitter tweeted something once. Dude, almost everybody that's a sports fan wants this to happen. Yes. This is just, hey, I've lived in Beaverton. I know what 217 is like. I think it's totally reasonable as a citizen of the city and the surrounding area to wonder aloud, will this make sense? Will this work for people? So, I, I you know, some of the criticism I think is fair, but like also... Staying optimistic is tough. It is. Did David Sampson make you feel anything? Um, well, not to panic. Don't be defeatist. I got, the people that you have to impress is a very small group of people, but they're very private people, as he alludes to. So you have to overcome your desire as a fan to want to know everything right now. Yeah, by the way, let me acknowledge publicly on the air, we we went back and forth on that. Yes. According to David Sampson, and he is management, David Sampson says, you're right. You keep it under locks. Don't let this thing get out, and you wait to the right moment to do it. There will be a time and a place where it's very appropriate for them, and it's usually somewhere where you start asking the public to give you your money Mm. or give, give you their money. Yeah. Either deposits or personal seat licenses or whatever the hell you go down. Yeah. When you're asking them to pony up, they have to know you have the the big money bags in the back end to deliver. I think uh, Barrett also said this in his interview with Isaac and Souk. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he said if they can get the red tail land, that is around. And he said his hope, his hope. I believe I'm phrasing this right, is that that point 
we'll start to get maybe some information. Yeah, further. they're not going to actually buy. You can have an agreement in principle to have the first option to buy property, but you're not going to actually purchase property until you know you're going to be able to do what you want with it. And so the only thing I say to people that, look, putting a place there, yes, I've lived out on the west side my entire life. I know what a mess 217 is, how crowded that area is. But you also have to recognize from the time that they say they're doing something until it actually gets built, we're playing baseball there, is going to be four or five years. You have time to put in some sort of infrastructure and work through all of those things. It's It's not going to be immediate. Well, the one thing that I've said is they ha- they have that little commuter train over there, the West train or whatever. Yeah, like, little trolley thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, you start, you load that up and make a bigger train that can hold, obviously, more people that can take you from the Beaverton Town Center um, max stop over there that can trickle people down. And then you get dropped over by the, the Planet Fitness or whatever is across, or it's a Crunch Fitness right over there across the street. But, man, I, my optimism has started to wane. And from his vibes... Like when you talk about public support and needing public money, that's where I'm just like, all right, we're done here. Because again, I think it's just you pull the city and ask people about having an MLB team. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is overwhelmingly negative. And really? Yes. I feel like the more I talk about it and the more I You don't I think the it, internet has allowed the noise to seem louder than it is? It's it's quite possible mm-hmm. that that is it, that you know people like to bitch and moan more online. Well, and, yeah, we lie about everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where those voices, they they want to work the keyboards and let their opinions know more about it, about how terrible an idea is. So that could just be leaking into my mind and mm. where I see more of that versus like, yeah, I want a baseball team, but that that's... That's how I feel is that the public support for making this happen has waned over time. Like, and initially it's like, oh, that'd be cool. But as this keeps getting dragged along and the options get shot down as far as where a stadium's going to be and how this is going to actually happen. Yeah, they still need to get that land. They still need that red tail lot. And I think that, you know, I, I am on this side of just give us a stadium. I don't care where it is. Give us a team. I don't care. So if it is in Beaverton, yeah. Red Tail, Southwest Portland, whatever, like, dude, just give it to I us. I mean, they get the land. that That's where they're going to build. I said it before. I'd love to be on a train and somebody goes, hey, remember your bad take? I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to a doubleheader right now. So, like, yeah, I had a bad take. Cool. It, but you I will, a bad take? <laughs> but, man, I will say after leaving the concert last night at the Moda Center and walking around Lloyd Center and it just being dead, like nothing is happening around Lloyd Center, Mm -hmm. the stadium needs to be there. I know it's not going to happen, but God, it would be so great if that's where it would end up being. But again, I'm at the point where it's like, red tail, cool, make it happen. Yeah. Well, and they talked about the land mass and what you can fit and how like the stadium is 7% of that land and... You know, Barrett said they got an all. They're trying to pivot if they don't get that land. But to me, if you don't get the red tail lot, it's not that it's dead. It just, I think there's going to be a lot of like, where are you going now, and how they catch up with all that. But to David Sampson's credit, right when you leap somebody, then you eventually get leapt. It's a marathon that we're in here. I'll bring some of that back in the final hour of the show. Loaded second hour. Chris Mannix will join us at seven thirty. Dirt and Sprague hour two with Joe Fish next on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, you might think about taking Jesus Christ as your Savior instead of fooling around with all this stuff. Ah, Jesus. This is Dirt and Sprague. I like him very much. He no help you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. What the hell's going on out here? Well, Nick's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live, was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. That's all we got, one damn hit. You can't say damn. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Our numero dos here on 1080 The Fan, Portland's sports leader. The Odyssey app, 99.5 HD2 and YouTube. Hi, Mom. My mom doesn't watch. My dad, he uh, watches Sports Sunday every now and then. Does he? Uh, 9 to 11 and... Yeah, talking about that, how that whole process works with him. I'm mm. like, oh, Dad. <laughs> I uh, talked so about what it. what is it you're on? Like, <laughs> I'm like, Dad, YouTube's been around for at least like 15 years now. Like, is this a TV station? Let's try not and let's not, let's not do this, please. Oh, you could always go to Old Time AM Radio. Oh, I blew my kid's mind when I was like, hey, your pops is on Twitch now. I didn't know we were on Twitch until Tell like two weeks ago. Tell your buddies that. Yeah. Tapping into that younger demographic. Well, you've been doing that for a decade, tapping into that younger demographic. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> falling further and further behind as the years go on. I'm becoming how, swag. It's How terrifying. much longer until uh, the, the executives and the suits uh, keep telling you that? They're like, wait, you're 40? Oh, I guess, yeah. Well, yeah, still tapping into oh, the younger demographic. I promise you, when I'm 41, if I'm still here doing this job... You can still relate. There will be somebody in the sales department that like, I don't know, man, I think you guys are really good with the 22-year-olds. And I'm like, I'm 41. <laughs> Kill I don't me. even listen. I don't even know what they listen to right now. My knee is crab meat now. Okay, <laughs> I'm still trying to learn to floss. I'm closer okay? to death than I am my youth. Please uh, put me out of my misery. Chris Mannix is going to join us from SI Swag. You look like you're flying high. The minute he he concluded you you won the argument we had, it feels like you've been riding high since he said that. Won two arguments. Absolutely. What was the second on one? the Dodgers? The Dodgers. Yes, I should be freaking <laughs> oh. out about the rotation. You know what? Let me do this. Just shut up. Nobody cares. <laughs> I thought that was your phone. I was like, oh, billion dollars. I've thrown my phone before. I I have billion dollars <laughs> on a pitcher and a hitter. Oh, we can't get a fourth yeah, star. I'm yeah. I'm with Sprague on this. Shut the hell up. <laughs> They're gonna figure it out. They'll get an ace of the deadline. You're fine. Yeah, they'll be okay. Um, 
We'll get to Mannix coming up. These player rankings have come out. Have you seen this? The NFLPA? Oh, like the the franchise? Oh, the yeah. franchise oh, yeah. grades. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the players, <laughs> this is, you could spend three hours on this, just diving into all of this. Like, as far as, there's some of these categories I feel like matter more than others. Like, sure. you know, the the food. Okay. Let me give you this real quick. Let me tee this up. So yeah. this comes out, the NFLPA does a survey. Last year, they had 1,300 players participate. This year it was 17. So players got wind and was like, actually, I'd like to jump in and give my opinion. Here are the <laughs> oh, categories. I'll let you know. Here are the categories. Treatment of, of families, food slash cafeteria, nutritionist slash dietitian, locker room, training room, training staff. If I take families out, that's an obvious no-brainer you have to care about. Of food, cafeteria, nutritionist, locker room, training room, training staff, what do you power rank those things for you? Training room, training staff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nutritionist and dietitian is nice, but uh, also, I mean, you hear DK Metcalf. He's like, I just eat candy. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> and a look freak. at me. And I'm yeah, right. I'm ripped. ripped. <laughs> it's like I don't know if the nutritionist is really getting through to him with that one. But no, uh, I would think again, the, doesn't look like it matters. To yeah, <laughs> I would think having now availability of food and and kitchen staff and all of that. I think the nutritionist part. Once you get to be a professional athlete, as well as your agency, that's almost that's somewhat on you individually to to know that and take care of your body and those sorts of things. Sure. Yes, it would be nice if the team had, you know, experts and and uh, resources to make available to you and I think but but being able to get the food and the nutrition while you're there in the complex that you need, that's number 2. And then taking care of my family's 3 and then whatever else. Did, but did, but training staff and making sure all of the support is there. that That's the one that's a biggest concern, I'm going to say, to the Players Association and the NFL. Did you scroll and see that there's like also the weight room and strength coaches? Oh, and, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I yeah. was just going off because I, I assume yeah. those would be the first few yeah. for everybody. Right, right. But, yeah, I mean, this thing goes through more and more. It's detailed. It's deep. I mean, here's what's surprising to me. Best two teams that pulled on this, I believe, were the Dolphins and the Vikings. Yeah, the Dolphins got nothing lower than an A minus on everything. It and, was either A minus, A, or A plus. And I know they haven't won the playoff game, and we're doing the questioning of the coach and this two of the guy, all that stuff. I think you can get a general read of that situation and identify and say, feels like it's different. It's good culture. It's positive what they're doing there. Minnesota, kind of similar. O'Connell seems very highly regarded, really well liked. You know, I I guess I wasn't surprised per se, but that those two, I just would have thought Kansas City won this, and Kansas City didn't test out very well on this thing. No, dude, their owner got a F minus. He ranked out last. How do you get outranked by the Arizona owner? Yeah, that's shocking. They're one of the worst run franchises in pro sports. Yeah, very cheap. When, I keep thinking of like the food and cafeteria, and I just keep having the image of uh, the school lunch, lunch, the lunch lady from uh, uh, what is it? SNL? No, a uh, Billy Madison. Have some more sloppy joes. Oh, like walking yeah. the Bengals up to their players and their plates and throwing down just terrible food for them. The Bengals having consistently low rankings on this one also isn't surprising. They have like four all. working toilets. How how do the <laughs> players have four working toilets? In, yeah. in a sport where you need like 90 people on your team, your lines to take dumps must be awful in well, that situation. Be, yeah. Like if you're Joe Burrow, I'm Look, negotiating a private bathroom. Notoriously cheap. Hopefully, so. yes. Hopefully there's a secret bathroom somewhere.
It, well, yeah, everybody needs a secret bathroom. Yes. If I'm Joe Burrow, I want my own bathroom. <laughs> Sharing five toilets with 90 dudes. Imagine that's the next quarterback demand. Not Russell Wilson asking for his own office. It's like, I need my own dumper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am not coming here. Write it into my contract. I don't know how. How are you the Chiefs? That You've, you've had all this success and you're like locker room renovations. I guess he promised locker room renovations and then never did it. Well, the story was because... He did get new chairs. You're the Chiefs. The that, story that, that's was... That's what they meant by renovations. The story. Give me the story. The story was because they kept playing so deep into the playoffs oh, and going to the yeah. Super Bowl, there wasn't enough <laughs> yeah. time to get in there and do them all. So Clark Hunt is literally the it's so deep meme. That was Clark Hunt? Yeah. Okay. Well, I also like... That's as, what I read. Clark Hunt, damn, it's so deep. Also, if you're him, it's just like... <laughs> Wow, you guys made the playoffs. I can't believe it. I didn't think you guys would be. Like, you really? could have did that last year in the offseason. Like, you have the best quarterback in the league, and you have been in the playoffs the last however many years, when the division lasts however many years. You've made deep playoff runs the last five seasons. Like, you really thought, like, oh, God, you guys just, you're still here. I'm shocked. Well, we can't do these renovations. You guys are still in the playoffs. You're pushing things back. The timeline. If you guys could stop winning, please. That would. Uh, you should stop winning so we make the locker room better. No, you should probably just plan better. We live in a very shameless world now. Like, nobody has shame. Nobody can really be shamed into doing anything publicly. Like, the biggest names in the world can just be awful. And then they get to lean into the awfulness. And it's like, hell yeah, let's be awful. <laughs> this is about the end of the accountability spectrum that it gets to. So, for example, last year, Jacksonville, they had the biggest improvement from last year to this year's. Last year, they were 28. They were fifth this year. A big reason they tested so poorly, or one of the reasons, they had rat problems. And one of the players says, no more rats. So, like, this is kind of the <laughs> last step of accountability we have for rich people who don't ever have to worry about what you and I say, but the players do this survey and it's shameful. We're like, hey, let's shame them into making things better for us. This is it in society. Politics, sports, our last, uh, our last desperation of shaming. It's left to an NFLPA survey. Well, I think what they meant, no more rats. I think that uh, are we sure that didn't fall under the head coach category with Urban Meyer not being there anymore? Well, you know that's. Should that be a rally cry in the You're, locker room signs? No more rats. I could. I, I don't want you to go on a tangent because I want to get to the Dame thing. Uh, I saw a thing yesterday, Stephen Jones. Our culture is as great as it's ever been here in Dallas. We have the right <laughs> leaders. And, you know, I, yeah, exactly. You chuckle. You're a Cowboy fan. You chuckle. He's like, come on, man. Why do you got to say this stuff? They actually, they went back on this survey. They Good. They had the most, uh, what does it say here? Like, the team that suffered the most significant drop from last year's survey, Dallas Cowboys, dropped from 5th to 12th. Uh, well, some the, reason was D uh, D plus grade that players gave the Cowboys training staff, which ranked thirtieth overall. That's unacceptable. Yeah. Um, did you know that Dallas Cowboys have their own golf course too? I didn't know that. I Fun was fact. Uh, I was in Arizona, and I got paired up with a guy um, at the Sedona course, and he was from Texas, and he said that they have their own golf course. The Texas Rangers have their own golf course as well. Hell yeah! And I'm not surprised by that at all. I would like them to redo this survey because it uh, ended November 16th. Mm -hmm. Let's do a full season with the playoffs included and see how the, the culture and the vibes are for the Dallas yeah, Cowboys then. We should do this right at the end of every team's season. So if you don't make the playoffs, you get quizzed. <laughs> if you get bumped in the wild card, you're quizzed. Division, conference champions. You blow it at like week 18. <laughs> yeah.
You're like, so how are things at the at the headquarters there? How are you, how are you feeling about the team? Imagine the, the Niners get quizzed at the end of the regular season, and then they get quizzed up to the Super Bowl, and it's like, it actually sucks here right now. And it's like, oh, I don't know what the head coach is doing. Yeah, I don't know what right. this owner's doing. We didn't even know overtime, <laughs> damn it. T-minus. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, again, you could pour over this. Like, you can click each category, each team, like, and really dive in deep to all this. It's, like, kind of fun also just seeing some of the complaints. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. The millionaires that are complaining about their billionaire's uh, owner situation is, yeah. I enjoy it. Again, they're at least holding their feet to the fire and publicly shaming them. So some teams jump up in this. It's year to year. It get rid of your rap problem. You're going to jump up. Poor training staff. You're going to drop down. It's kind of what it is. Um, let's get to the Chris Mannix piece. Chris Mannix of SI is going to join us at 730. He did a one-on-one with Dame, and it's it's a little sad. <laughs> a little? Uh, yeah. I want to talk about that next on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Chris Mannix of SI wrote a piece, one-on-one with Dame Lillard. We'll talk to him about that. Joe's got a boxing question. Just and, one, uh, you know. I, I feel like I have to. Like, he covers boxing. I get it. I'm no, not, dude, I, no I followed him on Twitter years and years ago because I knew he was an NBA guy. Yeah. And then just seeing him show up on my timeline throughout the years with all the boxing stuff, I was mm-hmm. like, how about this? He's a boxing guy as well. And he is. Yeah, I'd like myself some boxing. So, Well, so does Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard did a one-on-one with him a couple, about a week and a half ago. And so he he kept most of this stuff. And he just does the, the, you know, the standard Q&A. Like, hey, here's the question. Here was the answer. And he went through some of his stuff in Milwaukee, but you bring up boxing, and this is this was a question. What's your life like in Milwaukee? This was Dame's answer. Bruh. Bro, go to practice, go home, watch boxing, play video games. Man, I type in, insert boxing website, Fight Hype on YouTube 100 times and be praying for something new to be on there. Seriously, I don't have much of a life, but that's what comes with making a big boy decision. You got to be down for that and figure it out. And it goes through the relationship with Giannis, losing Terry Stotts before the season even starts. But kind of my takeaway is, and you know, he he talks about thinking that they're figuring this out and they can start winning. He just seems really lonely and depressed in Milwaukee. And and winning will cure all of this. And some of you will say, well. He's worth a billion dollars or a half a billion dollars. Tough life he lives. Yeah. And then I drag you away from your kids and you have to live that far away and you see him X amount of times in a year. I just, I, I, my takeaway was he's trying to figure this out with Giannis. Winning will cure all probably, but a superstar pro athlete and one that, you know, was in Portland for so long, openly saying it sucks. I'm not, I'm not enjoying the non-basketball stuff about this. And I, Dame is a great dude. We love him here in the city. I get it. The, this is one of those moments where it's like, and I, I think he is accepting it. Like, I think that he's, he's clearly taking accountability. It's like, oh, when yeah. you make a big boy decision, it's like, all right, yeah. It's like, you made your bed. You got to lie in it. Like, this is what, you know, I understand that this is not the place you wanted to be. Clearly, it was well documented that you wanted to Miami. go to Miami. Yeah. So... I don't know. This comes across as like, yes, it is sad to hear all this, but my my sympathy is a little low in a sense where it's just like, wasn't the whole goal to win a championship and be on a championship contending team? You're you're there. You're on it. 
whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's Miami, whether it was Boston, whatever, whatever city. It was, it's actually, it's Portland. And I think that's part of what's hitting him a little bit. Is And he mentions his whole family's here, right? He, yeah. Everybody came up when he said, I'm going to stay and this is where I want to live. He built the house. And yeah, I think I mean, ultimately winning a championship, again, some of this will be cured by winning. Um, but he wanted to do that here. And you know, we can, we'll get a book on it or somebody will do something on it and we'll find out everything. But, you know, go back in the moment and it's kind of like, yo, we're going to do what we can to win with him. He's a priority for us. We want to win with him and he can coexist with this guy and that guy. And then it was a quick pivot in, into a tank and okay. And then it got messy. I want Miami. Well, okay. We don't really want to do business with Miami. This is dirty. They send him to what looks like a fantastic spot, and it might end up being a fantastic spot from a title contention standpoint. But all of that happening in a whirlwind of like six, seven months, and now you're in Milwaukee, YouTubing boxing, hoping that there's new content because you're kind of miserable. But also, like, that's your choice. Like, you are in a new city, a new team with championship aspirations. Like, mm. it kind of sounds also, it comes across as that, like, I don't want to be here. That's how I kind of interpret it. I think he likes Giannis. I think he likes the idea of trying to figure this out. He and says be he on a team that has a chance to win a championship. Yeah. But it also, it kind of like, and, you know, Mannix, he asked so many questions, but it's just like, are you getting vibes that it's like, this is not long term for him? Oh, I got I got those vibes. Yeah, I mean, what's long term to you? Five years. I, the I rest would, of I, his career. I, I yeah. I don't like to use it, but I probably use it too much as a host. I'd be stunned if it's five years. I have the over under like two and a half. I I think this is a short term. Now, if they Run, go on runs a, out the contract and then if they go on like a dynasty run, uh, you got to stay and you got to go till you can't go no more. If they win it this year, you gotta you're gonna be back for next year to defend and maybe. You will win or not win. I don't know. And then, you know, two, two and a half years go by. He's going to be older. The contract's kind of at the end. He has said too many times. If I was a Buck fan, I wouldn't like how many times he's already said, yeah, I'd love to come back and finish my career in Portland. Like, you're already plotting the end of the career while you're in the thick of this and yeah. what this is. So, like, I can understand kind of all the angles of this stuff. But, yeah, I, I never had him pegged for Milwaukee for very long. And this is one of the reasons. There's others. But, this is one of the reasons. He's lonely. Milwaukee is a cold-ass winter city where if you're not playing a basketball game, you're not going outside and hanging out. We we get a lot of rain. It's cold. It's windy right now. We also, like a week ago, had like 58 degrees in sunshine. We get random great weather. Uh, not that Milwaukee doesn't, but in the wintertime, it's just a little more you know far and few between. Yeah, but all... Again, it's like I don't want to pull a whole like. Well, he's used to that. He was important. Like he was in Utah for four years. Yeah, and then he couldn't in... dictate terms much there, though. He's a college kid, right? right? But as far as like being in somewhere, like you're kind of used to being in a spot where you can't go out and do anything. And so you whether... have zero. You read this and you're like, I don't really care. Listen, I under... in terms of like sympathy for how the guy that was your face of the franchise feels. I have sympathy in the sense of like you're gone away from your support system. Yeah, as family and friends, like again, we have to remember that they're they're humans just like us. And outside of basketball, they have phone conversations. They like to meet up with their family and friends and spend time and do things together. So like, 
I totally get that. Like, if you take me out of Portland where all my family is and my friends and you put me in and another son. random city. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I am 100% I put you right in Indianapolis you. right now. Hey, Joe, you're going to host a radio show for seven months. Don't. You'll get don't. summers. Bra- <laughs> well, but yeah. <laughs> Please don't. But what if you succeed in a, you know, a prime spot on the radio? And, I, and he doesn't say anything about this, but also it's like, are you, ma- are you making the effort to be like, all right, well, this is my situation. Yeah. This is my home right now for the foreseeable future. So let's make something of it let's get out into the community let's make myself a part of the city more where i'm going out to eat where i'm making things happen with my teammates i understand he was with like the nasa's like a week or so ago somewhere he is doing some charity work locally i think he's already tapped into that pipeline which not, is and i'm not that, surprised yeah it doesn't yeah. shock me at all but that's where it's i feel like it's like bro all i do is just go home play some video games, and it's just like really like here you are in basically the situation, quote unquote, that you wanted mm-hmm. in a, an extent from a basketball standpoint, having a chance to win a ring. And it just still seems like, oh, it's not good enough. Like, you know, I just go home and woes me. Mm. It's like, ah, I mean, come on. We got to we got to move it along here and we got to find a way to find the bright spot of this situation, because I understand basketball is not everything, but. This is your life in a sense of this is what brings home the bacon and this is what makes you who you are right now at this point in your life. And you need to be able to make the most of this situation. And I understand it sucks, but this is a point where teams are ratcheting it up. And you got to kind of flip the switch here soon. Well, have they flipped the switch? They've won a couple games here in a row, maybe feeling better about where they're at or if they figured some stuff out. They're screening higher for Dame, which is great because he can pull up from far away. Uh, we'll talk with Chris Mannix, who did the Q&A with Damian Lillard and get his thoughts on the Bucks' chances in the East, how the nation's viewing Portland as a situation in the NBA, and you got a boxing question. Chris Mannix joins us for the Daily Ticker next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Daily Ticker time. 
ChrisMannixSI.com. We were just talking about the piece. Dame Lillard did a Q&A with Dame uh, on to talk about the, the piece, uh, the East standings, his thoughts on the West, and, yes, we must ask about our our beloved Trailblazers and his thoughts on that. And Joe has a boxing question, so we have a lot to get to here with Chris Mannix, and he joins us now. Chris, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us. We uh, we went through the piece. When you read it, some of the answers to some of the questions – he just comes off sad. What was kind of the what was the tone or the feel for some of the answers that he gave on life in Milwaukee for Dame? No, I, I don't think he was sad, and he, he was not bringing the stuff up unilaterally. I, I you know this was part of a, uh, a lengthy piece, and there's even more stuff that's coming out in the magazine in a couple of weeks. I, this is really just the outtakes from and what was left after that interview. But it was just about kind of the start of the season and how it's been both for him personally and the team itself. And I don't, I never got the sense in our conversations that he was sad. It was just a, a, a pretty big adjustment. I mean, when you think about it, this really is the first time that, that Dame has kind of been out on his own, you know, basically by himself in situations. I mean, when he went to Weber state, that was really only like a 90 minute flight to Oakland. He could have people come and go, as he wished he goes to Portland and two of his best friends were in school at Lewis and Clark. So he already had kind of a built in foundation there, a foundation that was built uh, and grew even more exponentially over the years. And, and you guys covered Dame for a long time. You know, he's not, you know, the social act, you know, the social butterfly out there. He, he's a guy that likes to spend time around family and close friends. And the reality of this situation is that being in Milwaukee, he doesn't have that uh, at the moment. So it's not that he's sad. It's just a, a different reality for him that, that he's had to face, and that's been part of the trials and tribulations of the season. So I mean, with you saying that, I mean, you might be, you know, disagreeing with this point too, but I, I mean, like the vibes of the interview and you talking to him, I mean, did you feel like there was any sense of like, or feeling of regret or like buyer's remorse about like, oh man, I, you know, I had it pretty good back in Portland. And while the basketball situation wasn't ideal, but again, family, friends, the situation, the comfortability of that, I mean, that has to have value as well. I mean, did you get any sort of vibe of that where it was like he is kind of second guessing this move in his career or that it's like, no, he's owning up to it? Yeah, no, I don't think he was second guessing at all. Um, I, I think he was comfortable in his decision because he believes it was the best basketball decision to make. Now, obviously we all know he wanted to go to Miami originally. Um, and that was because he thought that was going to put him in a position to win the heat, of course, coming off that finals run. Um, but in Milwaukee, he gets the exact same thing, maybe a better thing when you, when it comes to pure talent. And it, because of that, I don't, I didn't get any sense that he had, any buyer's remorse that he would do anything differently. You know, he made a decision. As he said, he's, he's a grown man. He made a decision. And look, every decision doesn't, you know, end, you know, the way every James Harden decision ends, where you get exactly <laughs> what you want and exactly the situation you want to be in. Um, he, he's had to deal with some stuff, but I, no, I don't think he has for one minute regretted um, the, the choices that he made. Uh, Chris, you know, the East is pretty loaded. Boston's having a fantastic season. I, I'm curious because you highlight it and you mentioned there's going to be more in the magazine. And this is just kind of some of the leftovers that you put out at SI.com and on your Twitter account. Um, when you look at the East and you look at where Ma Milwaukee is, and Dame says in this, 
you know, I thought we'd be where Boston is right now. How much blame? I know the players get all the attention. They get the accolades. They get the blame. We debate, you know, who's better than who. How much of the responsibility of Milwaukee's start, and they're picking it up a little bit here, is on the franchise, giving them an unproven coach who didn't seem ready for the moment, an assistant randomly quitting, going to the guy that was consulting the team and just giving him the job, and then him questioning that publicly. How much is to blame on the franchise and not so much Giannis and Dame for where they're kind of at? Yeah, look, there's no doubt that the blame pie has a lot of hands in it, right? Like, um, you know, and to be clear, when, when Dame said, I thought we'd be like Boston right, is right now, he was responding to a question that I put to him about how he felt after the preseason debut. Yeah. And I was in L.A. for that when they looked great, you know, being the Lakers. Dame and Giannis had a combined 30 in limited minutes. So, you know, in that moment, you know, he felt like, all right, we're going to hit the ground running, which you, you can't blame him. They, they looked really good. It's, it's obviously taken a lot of twists and turns since then, uh, which has led us to this point. Um, I do think the, the a couple things were problematic. One, as we talked about in the story, Terry Stotts' exit hurt, right? Like Terry Stotts was the bridge that united Damian Lillard and the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the offense that they were running while Terry Stotts was the elite assistant was a carbon copy for what they ran in Portland. So Dame was able to come in and not only be familiar with the offense – but he's effectively teaching other guys the offense, which is incredible since he's the new guy on a team with a lot of guys that have been around. Terry Stotts goes out, and as you know, Dame told me, like pretty much everything Terry was doing kind of went out with him, and he had to go back to sort of learning on the fly and, and trying to process everything that Adrian Griffin and the Bucks uh, were trying to do. So that's part of it. And look, I, I don't begrudge Milwaukee hiring Griff, I mean, he's an accomplished guy. He, somebody should have hired him. Um, but there were problems with his coaching philosophies. I think he tried to do too much on the defensive side. I don't think he took enough advantage of Damon Lillard, uh, Damon, uh, sorry, Giannis, in the pick and roll. I mean, I have one of the stats I have in the magazine. I don't have it in front of me right now. But it, it, the, the pick and roll that Dame and Giannis ran was one of the most effective pick-and-rolls in terms of offensive efficiency in the first half of the season. It was like top three in terms of offensive efficiency. In terms of volume, it was like 25th. Like, so if you're not taking advantage of one of the most impressive pick-and-roll combinations you're going to find in the NBA, that's a problem. If you're you know, having six or seven different types of defense with a team that has been – a, a, a really strong fundamental defense over the last you know, three or four years, that's a problem. So I, I do think that coaching you know, prior to Doc Rivers coming in was part of the problem that put the Bucks in a position where they were good, but no one, including the decision makers in Milwaukee, thought they were championship-level good. To bring it back home in Portland here, uh, it feels like how the fans feel in Portland with their coaching is very much like the weather. One day it's sunny, one day it's raining, one day it's windy. Mm. You never know what you're going to get. And this is now year three of Chauncey Billups' tenure here, and it's a very different situation than when he first walked in. Again, I like to get a kind of pulse of like around the league and around the country because we're kind of stuck in our own little bubble here in Portland is that – do you feel like this is Chauncey's like chance here this season to make something happen where he can develop this team and still be the coach 
the throughout the rest of this contract or is it kind of looking like eh, this wasn't the situation he was built for and that mm. whether it's this year or even halfway through next season that that it's probably not the best fit for this team at this moment in time. No, look, I, I think there does need to be a conversation between Chauncey Billups and Joe Cronin after this season about, you know, the plan here, because it, it, it's going to be a long time before this team is good. Let's be real about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is talent here. And I think Scoot Henderson, uh, I like what I've seen from him uh, in, in spurts in February. I've been high on him since the draft. I, I think he's going to get it right. I think you're going to get a franchise point guard in Scoot Henderson. Shaden Sharp is good. Simons is good. But they're, you know, multiple years of development and two or three pieces away from being a real contender. And, and the dust really hasn't even settled from the Dame trade because you still don't know what's going to happen with Malcolm Brogdon. It, does Robert Williams have trade value this summer coming off knee surgery? There's just a lot of, 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 of things that need to happen as part of this rebuild. And I think there has to be a conversation between Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups of whether Chauncey wants to be part of it, whether he wants to, you know, stick it out for three, four more years and develop this team. If he does great, look, Chauncey is, is an excellent basketball mind. Like he, he's, he's really sharp. And I've been around him a little bit over the last couple of years. His enthusiasm has been strong. Like he has wanted to, to do this job and get the most out of these guys. But look, he wasn't hired by, Joe Cronin. He was hired for a specific job, you know, try to make this team into a contender with Damian Lillard as a part of it. I think there has to be a conversation between management and Chauncey Billups about what he wants and if he's willing to go the distance. And if he's not, there's no shame in that. Like, you know, but Portland needs a coach that is willing to coach and can coach for the next three or four years. Look, they need, frankly, and not that he, I'm saying he should be the guy, but what Scott Brooks did in Oklahoma City was the kind of coach they needed, right? Like Scott Brooks came in, took over for P.J. Carlissimo, and guided that Thunder team from a, a mess into an NBA Finals team. They need, you know, that person who's all the way in on the job. If it's Chauncey, great. If he wants to keep the job, absolutely. But if it's not, they they should probably, you know, come to a, a decision here and, and try to find somebody else. Uh, Chris, good stuff, man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Really enjoyed the day in peace. We'll look forward to the magazine edition with the uh, with the more details in it. Uh, always enjoy your time. Got a oh, lot. I'll tell you this, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. got a lot of it's got. A, I, I can't. I, I don't want to spoil anything. But it's got a lot of Portland <laughs> stuff in there. It's really? got a lot of Portland stuff in there, so you'll like it. Oh, that's a dirty little tease. We have to go buy it now. Chris Mannix on Twitter <laughs> at si Chris Mannix. Chris, we always appreciate the time. Keep up the good work, man, and let's catch up soon. You got it, guys. All right, there we go. Good stuff. Chris Mannix, si.com. We didn't get to your boxing question. Oh, I just, dude, I want to know what he is on his schedule as far as, like, this is the fight that basically everyone should tune into. Because there's a few that are coming up in the next couple of months. Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, because, I mean, uh, Francis Ngannou's boxing in, like, a couple weeks. Damn near beat Fury. (laughs) Yeah. Damn near beat Fury. Uh, All right, crunch time is around the corner next on The Fan. It's crunch time. Let's go! Where Dirt and Sprague crunch the hot topics you want to hear. What's the pressure? Don't sit here and act like there's no... We get nervous teeing off in front of a gallery on the 10th hole at Eastmoreland. Crunch time. Brought to you by Crunch Fitness. With memberships as low as $9.99 per month. Find your crunch time in Portland, Vancouver, and online at crunch.com. All right, Ken Barkley at the top of the hour. I'm hoping my fingers are crossed, my toes are crossed. 
Now you'll have some news and some updates on something pertaining to the show. What? Yeah. This show? This show. Vegas trip? No, I wish. Uh, so we'll get Are to you that. laying the big wood again in Vegas? I'm not laying big wood. I've always <laughs> said I'm a small unit man. Don't be ashamed of having a small unit. Uh, the Portland Timbers, our Portland Timbers caught in the uh, the news again yesterday. <laughs> Oy vey. Their, their kit sponsor, Debella, a local company, their CEO was accused of sexual harassment, unwanted advances, uh, according to several within the company and the woman involved in the situation. Very interesting. She um, sounds like a peach. A little crazy, a little <laughs> out there, a little wild. And <laughs> That's they have, putting it, I think, a little lightly. Well, Joe, this is a team that's been <laughs> caught in these crosshairs before by themselves, and now they had tied themselves to a company who's caught in the crosshairs. They reacted to the news pretty slowly if you're if you're considering how much money is involved here. And now they've had to pull the jerseys. They don't have Debella jerseys. They don't have any jerseys available. Maybe they will this morning. Maybe they have at some point. But I saw it last night. They weren't even selling jerseys anymore. They had to pull them off the shelves. And so our Portland Timbers might be a really good team who's run incredibly stupid and just having, you know, this isn't even necessarily their fault, but it's just like the timing of this could not be any worse. Like the season just started. And also... Well, they went through the thorns and timbers stuff that was going on and how you had to sell the team. And I just, I, I can't imagine a worse start to a season where you're trying to kind of revamp things and go a different direction. Well, also, this comes from, I mean, we're forgetting also when they uh, hired their new head coach, Phil Neville, is that he did, had to initially apologize for some sexist tweets that resurfaced. Yeah, tweets like 10, 12 years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. So it just keeps kind of keeps like they're stepping in it over and over again and i understand in their own press release that they put on their uh social media pages that in their pre-vetting process nothing came up and that the public filing for the lawsuit was on february 23rd is when it went out into the public and public record and they found out about it four days on later. the 27th yeah and basically acted immediately on it. So I will say, I guess that <laughs> shows growth in a sense where you didn't just like sweep it under the rug and like, well, this is a New Jersey logo, a big sponsor now. Like maybe we just ride this thing out for the season and then deal with it after. Like they acted on it pretty quickly, but uh, you're absolutely right. It's just like, damn dude, like, what what are you guys doing in the head offices here where you, this kind of keeps happening in a sense where you just keep stepping in it in the wrong situation and it, it's always and also this kind of sexual harassment lane too. It's like it just keeps going down this road and you're not doing yourselves any favors here. It's like your judgment is very and I understand they made some new hires in the executive office as well, but it just seems like their judgment of being able to like read people in situations of whether it be coaches, corporate sponsors, uh, whatever is just bad. And they don't have a good feel on people. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I thought, I thought about this yesterday when I went through the piece, Oregon live is the one that had broken this news and our buddy Ryan Clark was on the scene yesterday. They're taking down Debella stuff. Ryan Clark, by the way, I knew of him 
because he did great work in Newburgh for the Newburgh like Gazette or whatever. Like he did a fantastic job with like covering the school board mm-hmm. and what they were doing down there. So just just to see his climb in the sports journalism yeah. game here in town is just like super proud of that guy. Oh, he's a friend of the show. He does a he does a great job. Um what I was going to say was, it's what's wild is everybody wants to bitch and moan about Jody. Jody, 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 Jody. Get rid of Jody. The Timbers have out-uglied the Blazers. You cannot like what the Blazers have publicly said versus what they're actually doing. Somehow the Timbers have out-uglied Jody Allen. Mayor Paulson. I, yikes. I, I I just it, that's what's funny is we hear the most about the Blazers. I'll care when they sell the team. I'll care. I'll pay attention. The Timbers have had uglier things happen in the last few years than the team that everybody bitches about. I just you know how bad you have to be to have that happen. Well, and people still show up to the games. Well, and people droves. are soccer fans. I mean, it's you wonder. What it, but also it feels like this Timbers fan base, the Timbers army, is definitely holds the ownership and supposedly holds the ownership and team's feet to the fire a little bit more than the Blazers and NBA team does. And that's where I wonder it's like, how many of these situations do you get before you start getting some major outcry from the fan base? You just wish the Blazers had an organization of fans the way that Timbers army. And I forget what their their actual name. I mean, they have an organization. They have an office. They just moved the office buildings for crying out They're loud. They're not called the Timbers Army. Uh, no the the actual name of the organization uh. it, it's something different because it also includes Thorn supporters and oh, okay. and everything like that. So and they do a bunch of community outreach and they're very uh, involved in Is the it community. One oh seven yes. Independent Supporters yep. Trust. They're passionate. They're, yeah, they're a great. And you fan just base. wish the Blazers had somebody like that that uh, would hold the feet to the fire for for Portland managers. What would we call that group? You think? I have no idea. The Fighting Drexlers, <laughs> the Fighting Ramses. Uh, yeah, ugly story. Uh, you can read about it at OregonLive.com, just involving non-payment to former execs and sexual harassment, and it's the kit sponsor of the Timbers. We're one game into the year, and there they go. They got to strip the kit uh, sponsor yeah, off we'll of the Yeah, we'll see what they're wearing Saturday night here. Yeah, what do you do? Just go back to the old Portland Timbers on the jersey, well, that's I, it? Well, I think, somebody told me they could, so Dutch Brothers sponsors their warm-up jerseys. So just kind of throw one to so Dutch So maybe Bros. they could use those okay. if they have numbers on them, so yeah. And then... How much uh, does that cost, Swag? What's your rough ballpark estimate? Could Dirt and Spray, can me and Dirt buy this? Uh, no. Really? No, I'm sure Shame it's on I'm you. sure it's a two-comma endorsement deal. Okay. Maybe we have the two comma money. You don't know. Well, again, if you want to see a just uh, a plus Photoshop job, go to uh, 1080 the fans Twitter page and you can see uh, Isaac and Souk as the new Jersey sponsor. Uh, I mean, it's not the sponsor we deserve, but it's the sponsor we need. right? Somebody now. put Tom Peterson and glorious two on the Jersey <laughs> as well. That was fantastic. That'd be great. I enjoyed it. Uh, loaded final outrageous audio. <laughs> <laughs> We got we got tweeters. <laughs> tweeters are two dollars. Uh, loaded final hour. Ken Barkley of You Better You Bet joins us to kick off hour number three. Dirt and Sprague on ten eighty. The fan. Ah oh, crap! I almost forgot. Good. You're saving it for a good time. What is it? Big G. The best. This is Dirt and Sprague. Hey, check this out. Blue Garrick's pants. Not a bad fit. Hey, you don't think that nerve disease of his was contagious, do you? I'm going to take him off. 
I'm too important to this team. Big Stein can't be flopping and twitching. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brandon Sprague. Let's have a smell, all right? Ooh, wafting, wafting. Oh, everyone likes their own brand, don't they? This is magic. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Final hour, Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. Sup? I kind of just want to talk quietly because that music is so damn loud <laughs> that it doesn't matter if I yell, you're not going to hear it anyway. My eardrums are bleeding. Yes, and when he tells us to break 80 times in a segment, it hurts. Like, it actually <gasps> physically hurts. Christ. Um, we have a lot to get into. If you missed our interview with uh, David Sampson of um, Nothing Personal Podcast, former exec for the Marlins, he talked to us about expansion with the Portland Diamond Project versus Salt Lake. We'll bring some of that back uh, in the final hour. We also have a Major League ba- Baseball a minor league team update to give you that I think you'll enjoy. Oh. But uh, it's time to kick off our final hour as we do every Thursday at 8 a.m. with our good friend Ken Barkley. You better, you bet. Had a great show yesterday. All week has had good shows, but yesterday was a really good show. Enjoyed the Jay Billis content. He joins us now on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. Uh, Ken, do we have an update? We had a lot of Bet Welcher texts come in about me to you. Uh, I shot you some information after last week's uh, interview. Have you received anything yet? Just to uh, just to continue the bit, I should be like, no, nothing, nothing came yet. Like, I, like, what's the deal? Because <laughs> you get peppered by more by more tweets and comments from people. No, the uh, the the Oregon box came yesterday. I think I opened it. Yes, so really looking forward to it. We're gonna have uh, my mom's visiting for a few days. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy some some salmon tonight, some cheese and crackers, and yes. uh, and think and dream about the Pacific Northwest. It's is gonna be a like, great time. Is there like a bag of weed in there too? Well, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's after she leaves. That's for that. That's for the. That's for late night. Well, Some gummies. We we have the best weed. I'm sorry I couldn't send it to you. If you're ever out here, I'll hook you up. Um, we've talked a little college basketball with you last couple weeks. I, I I wanted to pick your brain. I listened to your guys' show yesterday, and this is a zig versus zagging moment with you, Ken. And so sorry if you think this is stupid. Once upon a time, Virginia lost to a 16 seed, and everybody and their mom made fun of it. We couldn't believe it. And they didn't just lose. They got housed in that game. And then it was like, oh, Bennett can't win. Virginia's kind of this overrated team that always disappoints. They won the national championship the very next year. I find myself looking at Purdue this way, and I still don't think they win. But is there value on betting Purdue in the off chance that this thing is more wide open than people think? And Purdue just gets a great bracket, and it breaks for them. How you feel about Purdue as kind of this underdog favorite, as potentially a one seed that nobody wants to gamble on? Right. So it's a it's a great question, right? And you're uh, you're thinking the same way as a lot of people, drawing the parallel between Virginia and Purdue. Like it's it's almost like the narrative has already written itself, right? Well, it worked for Virginia. Like why why can't it work for Purdue? Uh, and the funny thing is, like Tony Bennett, Virginia's coach had just as much of a terrible history in the tournament as Matt Painter does right now. And actually, and that even continued even after Virginia won the title. Like, they lost to Furman last year. And the, like, but he went right back to being terrible again right after they won the title. The one difference between the two teams, honestly, so that Virginia team, they both had really good regular seasons, right? Virginia was, like, the best team in the country. When they won, Purdue's one of the best teams. Like, the overall talent of both teams, though, is not the same. And there's a couple ways you can measure this. There's some recruiting stuff. There's like kind of like NBA draft comp type stuff, like how many guys are going to be pros. People forget Virginia, like, yeah, they brought back everybody, and they added like an NBA lottery pick, like a high lottery pick in DeAndre Hunter, 
who obviously still is playing in the NBA right now. And like his sort of like addition to the team is really like the catalyst that made them. I mean, he got them through a couple of those tournament games that they had to get through. Purdue didn't do anything like that. It's just Edie again, and it's the same guys, and it's Matt Painter, and it's so just their overall talent. Like you think about UConn last year, I mean, they have three pros on that team. I mean, I don't know where I think Sonogo doesn't really get in the game ever, but Andre Jackson got drafted by the Bucks. Jordan Hawkins plays for the Pelicans. Like these are big time players. Like mm-hmm. that's not Purdue. Like that's just not what that is. So like, can they make a deep run? I think it would be nice for Painter to get, kind of get the monkey off his back a little bit. Like I'm almost rooting for it. Would I ever bet them at a really low price? Uh, I think I would prefer uh, several other teams instead. So I have a buddy that is a, uh, it's borderline on becoming a problem. I've sent him the numbers a couple times. He's telling me I bet on Tarleton State. I bet on, uh, um, I'm trying to think of another team he has had a line on before. But I remember years ago, it was mid-major conference tournament week. And he's showing me bets on some mid-major, like again, conference championship week that he's betting on. So as we are getting closer to March Madness, is there a team around that mid-major? Like, I feel like I've seen him talk about, like, McNeese State, who's, like, 26-3. and three. Mm. Is there teams in that kind of part of the uh, landscape that you're like, when it becomes tourney time, if they if they can lock up their conference and they are going to go to the tournament, look at them for pulling that 5-12, that, um, that 4-13 upset, or uh, 2-15. I mean, well, 1-16. Hell, we've gotten a couple of those over the last five to ten years now. Yeah, sure. It's you know, it's a good question because I think everybody, everybody likes an upset. Can I ask a question first? Where is Tarleton State? I don't I, like, know. I, I, everybody says this. I have, I have no, no idea. idea where it's at. I I thought Texas. I was told Texas in my ear. The other school he threw out was uh, it was Bellarmine. I think Bellarmine beat Louisville uh, last year at the beginning of the season, and I I hit him up. I was like, Did you see them lose to? Be-? They're and, literally called the Tarleton State Texans. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess that settles that. So oh, I didn't I know that either. So clearly yeah. in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, right. then he's throwing right. out Bellarmine and he's giving me coaches names too. And I'm like, buddy, uh, we need to talk. We need to sit down. Uh, I think that's sure. a problem. But yeah, I mean, like, is there anything that you've seen throughout the year where it's like, this is a team that, you know, nobody knows about right now, but when it becomes tourney time, like that is the team that, that have your eye on. I can't believe they're the Tarleton State Texans. That's incredibly funny. Uh, there's a, I, just like, I don't know where it is. Well, well, you dummy, you could just use your phone and figure it out pretty fast. Well, Ken, uh, I felt dumb Googling it because it pops up Texans, and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, like, it's like where's Bellarmine? Oh, well, they're called the Bellarmine New Yorkers. So that's, oh, okay, well, that's, uh, that settles. I don't know where Bellarmine is. But um, there's, there's a couple schools. I think uh, – the mistake that people make sometimes is they only work that side of the problem, though. So, like, I think we're all excited when the bracket comes out. We look at, like, a 5-12, right, or a, a 6-11 or a 4-13, and we try to figure out, like, all right, who's that small school that's going to pull the upset, right? And to answer your question, yeah, like McNeese State, which I think you brought up as part of that answer, they're definitely someone who's really good that's probably going to be in that seed range. Grand Canyon uh, is coached by Bryce Drew. Um, who's like not an amazing coach, but for Grand Canyon, he's a pretty good coach. And they, I think they've only lost uh, three or four games this year, too. They'll be a 12. Uh, Samford is really, really good. They probably have the best up-and-coming coach, um, a guy who came up through like the Alabama high school ranks. And so, like, the, you know, these are teams where, sure, like you could play on them. I think the other way I'd, I'd approach the problem, though, is you want to play against a team that's like a five or a six that you don't like. So it, it kind of takes two. 
in that equation, right? Like, like Furman was whatever last year. I didn't like Furman a whole lot. But, boy, you could have hated Virginia. You could have really wanted yeah. to play against them. And it didn't matter who the 13 was. You were going to be interested. So it, you, there's kind of two ways to work the problem. The small school way, so my answer is, you know, McNeese, Grand Canyon, Samford. These are, like like, hardcore college basketball people probably just agree with that, and we all kind of know who those teams are. But on the opposite side, uh, whoever Alabama's against, whoever Kentucky's against, whoever, you know, like these kind of schools, I'm sure there are a couple other ones that I could come up with. Um, you want to be against them, like teams that play no defense, teams with a history of tournament upsets, teams from the Mountain West, if they get seeded really highly, one of the worst conferences in the history of the NCAA tournament, and it basically never changes. They had a team make the final last year, but they also had teams flame out the same way as they always do. So just like, you know, you can be the small, like small schools are awesome, and, I, I you know, it's fun to pull for them. But you can also, you can work the problem the opposite way and, uh, and usually have just as much success, which is good. Ken Barkley, you better you bet is our guest here. Bet QL analyst, uh, hosts the show Monday through Friday with Nick Costos. Give him a follow on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson every Thursday at 8 a.m. Uh, NBA is getting interesting, Ken. The East is uh, maybe Boston, maybe it's Milwaukee, maybe you buy into Cleveland. I still think the West is Denver and everybody else, and I would still, as dumb as it may sound, I'd bet Denver versus the field in that conference. Where are you at right now with the NBA and? Anything changed for you? Things you're kind of eyeing, markets you're you're buying in on. Where are you at right now in the NBA? Well, I'll give you I'll give you two things. One, kind of like the macro, like what you were talking about there with teams. Yeah. And then we can do. There's an award that I'm like obsessed with right now, which maybe we can talk about afterwards. Uh, so the the macro, yeah, I, I think this has been a really important stretch for Denver. Uh, won four in a row, and look like they were supposed to beat all four teams to a certain extent. The Warriors. Like they were, Denver was a dog in that game. But like, you know, you look at the schedule, it's not like they're playing the Celtics every night or playing Oklahoma City or playing Minnesota. It was just really important because they had really just kind of slept, like sleepwalked, sleptwalked, however you say that, through the, the first half of the season. You know, they're the four seed. They're kind of just going through the motions. Malone even talked about it a lot. And what you've seen from them is it's like, well, they didn't just beat the Wizards, they obliterated the Wizards. Like they didn't just beat the Kings last night with De'Aaron Fox out. They ran up the score in the third quarter. Like, these are important distinctions, right? They didn't just beat the Warriors. In the third quarter, they outplayed them more than any team has outplayed the Warriors probably in the third quarter all year. There's a difference between that and just winning or that and like, well, you know, we win two out of three, whatever. And just for, like, somebody like me, what I I usually do is I use a lot of historical criteria. Like, how do champions usually look? What do they look like? And in the NBA, the regular season is really important. You can't just be okay in the regular season and win. It never happens. It's never happened. You can't even be good and win. You have to be insane, really good in the regular season to win the NBA title. It tells us a lot about what happens. And that's what Denver's starting to do, which is really important, I think, for them. So I, all year I've kind of bought into the idea I, really, I only want them and I don't want Boston and I don't want anybody else. So I, I think Denver – I, I agree with you, like the West is them and everybody else. I think the league is them and everybody else to a certain extent. If they played Boston in the finals and it was a very small kind of money line price either way, I would bet Denver would probably be my biggest bet of the season. I just I, I think push comes to shove, I won't want Boston in that series. Milwaukee would be the only other team who's kind of doing something similar to what Denver's doing right now, running up the score, starting to play a lot better. 
And again, quality of competition, not great. But like Milwaukee didn't do that in the first half of the season. They lost a bunch of games to bad teams, actually. So the fact that both those teams are starting to do that right now is interesting to me. It could be I end up betting both. I have a lot of Denver already. And now the question is like, as they win more games, do I just want to add more four to one, five to one with the idea that like, I, I don't know who's beating them four out of seven right now. I, I, I don't think there's a team out there that can do that. What's the, uh, we'll get you out of here on the awards market thing that you, you were talking about. Well, get ready for the dumbest one available. Yes, uh, sixth yes. man of the year is, uh, <laughs> is insanity right now. So here, here's just uh, here's like the cliffs notes. So everybody can kind of follow along. Like, what am I looking for here? Um, you, two things tend to define who wins this award. Uh, scoring off the bench, so like points per game off the bench, that's pretty easy to understand. This is like the best bench player. But then also team success. It almost always comes from not even like a good team, one of the best teams. Sounds like Trump, the best. And, uh, and so it's like, you know, team success and scoring off the bench. Okay, there is no perfect candidate this season. Does not, he doesn't exist. And so what you have is you have guys who score a little more but the team's not very good. And you have guys on great teams, but they don't score as much. So you have this like weird, and, you, and we have no idea what the voters are going to value more. And they have a tendency to do some kind of wacky things here sometimes. And they actually tend to reward the team success more than the scoring off the bench. So Malik Monk is the favorite and has been the favorite in this market for a while. He's a minus price. As they lose more, they lose last night to Denver. They play Minnesota in Minnesota tomorrow night. That's probably another loss. Not sure if De'Aaron Fox is going to play in that game, which is a big deal. So, like, as they drift into this 9-10 play-in whatever, a lot of people that, like, bet and we talk about awards and I text with people, like, we all kind of think he won't win if that happens. Like, if they're in this 9-10 and he scores, like, 15 points a game, that's not a great candidacy. And he's a big price, and there are lots of appealing candidates behind them. So, like, Nas Reed from the Timberwolves is really appealing. Mm -hmm. Karis LeVert had, like, 15 assists off the bench for the Cavs. Last night they lost, but they're going to have a big record at the end of the year. These are, like, compelling guys, and I'll give you the really crazy one. If the Bucks really get, like, white hot, which I think is going to happen, I think a lot of people think that's going to happen, they're finally going to start playing really well. Bobby Portis has never won this award before, and he's come in the top five a few times. Kind of a likable guy. He's had a terrible season, but in the last 25 games, he had a great game against Charlotte the other night. If he goes crazy and it's like, oh, well, like Doc took over, like who bought in? Well, Bobby Portis was the guy who bought in, and like that's why we're on this run, and that's why we're playing really well. Uh, I think that's a way to reward the Bucks for winning a ton of games. He's still 100-1 to one in a bunch of places, and he is behind – six or seven players who have no chance to win. Um, I would be curious if he had like a great week or two, what would happen there? I, I think this award is wacky every day. I think about it and it, it gets crazier and crazier. It could be a fun opportunity. You are a wacky gambler, but you're very smart and you pay attention to the details. I will be laying my Bobby Portis six man of the year bet. As soon as I get off the radio this morning, Ken Barkley of you better, you bet on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. Always enjoy the conversation. I hope you enjoy the box. I don't know what your expectations were. I got the best box that the website from Made in Oregon offered. Enjoy that box, Ken, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. I think you just set the record for most times saying box in about uh, 15 seconds. That was really good. I'll enjoy it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, so. yeah. there we go. Thanks for pointing that out. I said box a lot there, didn't Hot. I? Uh, yeah, <laughs> box. Uh, all right, good stuff from him. 
a minor league story that's very interesting. I want to bring to your attention next on the fan. Yeah. All right, we'll dive back in. David Sampson of Nothing Personal was on in the 6 a.m. hour, so we'll bring some clips back. His read on the Portland Diamond Project. I wanted to, uh, I didn't think I would do this this week, but I want to bring up a minor league baseball team. Get your thoughts. There is a team that has introduced themselves. The Danville Dairy Daddies <laughs> is a new minor league affiliate, and their logo or mascot is exactly what you expect a ripped ass cow. Um, well, it's not a like bull. He's, he's like swole, like yeah, yeah, like he's yeah, and he's holding up. He's leaning on a bat, and he's got jeans on, and he's so it's a shirtless thirst trap cow. Although I don't know how any of the uh, male female stuff works, I did take an animal science classes here, but it's a male cow with horns out of its head, and it's a shirtless ripped cow. And it's the Dairy Daddy. That is, he is giving me a look also. Oh, like, it's a sexy, it's dude, a sexy mascot. He, his eyes, yeah, he's kind of peeking like, you want this. You want these udders, don't you? Now, if Well, actually, the females has the udders. Right. I don't think, yeah, the male cows have any udders. Uh, yeah. Well, what do I'm So this is a, an equivalent of a Corvallis Knights, a Portland Pickles. It's a smaller college-esque affiliate type team. And they're calling themselves the Danville Dairy Daddies. I'm going to have to buy a t-shirt. The Dairy mm. Daddies. The Dairy Daddies. A lot of dairy farms in Danville, California? Uh, I, I I guess. I don't know. A lot of milk. Maybe I mean, that it, is uh, an agriculture uh, area. It's nice there. to say the Danville Dairy Daddies, though. Isn't mm. it the Triple Ds? I'm telling you, that... <laughs> what guy doesn't like Triple Ds? That cow wants to wants to do me. Like the way it is looking. Oh. Like the way it looks at you. I mean, anybody. Do you know I mean, what the mascot's name is? You're looking at this mascot now. Do you know what the name is? Without looking it up, do you know the name? Big D. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Big Swag, D. Swag, would you would you care to take a guess at the name of the dairy daddy mascot? No. It's exactly what you'd hope it'd be. His name is McCreamy. <laughs> Of course it is. Look, I mean, it's the it's the smallest possible level of baseball. Ladies, that coming to the stage, McCreamy. McCreamy. Get ready to moo. Now, again, I don't know the sex and how all this works, but if you did put udders on this thing, but you morphed <laughs> it to look like a six-pack ab udder, and then it shot out cream. Should be named Churn. Onto, onto the crowd. Churn? <laughs> Ladies, you want it churned? <laughs> McCreamy can do it for you. Or curd. <laughs> now you're turning me off a little bit. You've gone you've gone too far the other curd. way. I look, if you're gonna make a team, you might as well lean into like the most inappropriate thing you can get away with. Yeah. That's why the pickle's so great. At this point, yeah. I mean his Dill? The the tweet Dylan. of uh Dylan. His name is Dylan. But don't we call him Dill the Pickle? Isn't that like uh, the short version I think of his name? Isn't it like Dylan T Pickle? Dylan something? T. Dylan the Pickle. Like it is Barley T Hop, Barley the Hop. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, full name. Yeah, Dylan T. Pickle. He's running for president, by the way. Who, Dylan T. Pickle? Yes. Uh, Got my vote. Looks at least 30 years younger than the candidates we're going to get, so I'd probably just, at this point, you know. Two old guys or a pickle? Who do you want? Why don't you take politics seriously? You're voting for a pickle mascot. Have you seen what's going on right now? It's like the uh, giant douche in a turd sandwich. (laughs) 
I look, I, I'm going to have to buy a McCreamy t-shirt. If there's ever been a moment to buy minor league gear, it's right now. McCreamy at the Danville Dairy Daddies is right up my alley. Uh, yeah, and it, make it make sure it's the one of him like leaning up against the bat. Don't even have the name or the team name or anything, just the cow. Like, is it going to be a pose of him on a white tee where he's looking at me with his flexed out buys, his tries are showing, he's holding the bat out, and he's like, take a look at my wood. <laughs> Me creamy. Look at him swing his little bat. Yeah, I mean, I, they're clearly leaning into that. Again, the look of it in his eyes. It's intense. Is, it is yeah, like it's intense. usually teams go for like an intimidating look, right? Where if it's a cow, like he would look like pissed off, right? Yeah. He has some like fire smoke coming out of his nose. You know, a bull ring. No, this this cow is about to get into some things. They, he is a, he is an absolute freak. They already have a Danville Otterbots, and their mascot is a mechanical otter. So they're going to have another affiliate like a team. cyborg or otter? <laughs> kind of, yeah. And so their second team in Danville is going to be the Dairy Daddies. So. Now this, uh, I want to go down like Quite the, enjoyed reading about this last night. I want to go down the AI chat GBT road and just like give me the most crazy obscure minor league teams that you can there's some pretty good ones out there i know the and trash, that's what i'm saying the trash, the trash pandas, pandas the savannah bananas the savannah banana yeah the montgomery biscuits that they just literally yeah, they have the a, biscuits. a biscuit as their like logo with some somebody's had a boner on it i showed my wife the savannah banana pitch where they were dancing and yeah. she goes if baseball was played this way i would watch major league baseball is that wow. two that's, cows in a field? That's his O-face. <laughs> that was his O-face right there. The Danville Dairy Daddies. Buy a t-shirt now. Uh, all right. David Sampson of Nothing Personal, former exec for the Miami Marlins. Uh, he joined us in the 6 a.m. hour. We'll get his thoughts on where the Portland Diamond Project stands versus Salt Lake City. Uh, if you missed that interview, you can catch it at 1080thefan.com. But a couple things we want to bring back, and we'll do it next on 1080thefan. All right. Welcome back in. Text the word FUNK to 503-864-6326. That's FUNK, F-U-N-K, for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Parliament Funkadelic featuring George Clinton at the Crystal Ballroom on June 14th. That's the word FUNK, F-U-N-K, to 503-864-6326. We had David Sampson on earlier, former exec for the Miami Marlins, and now does a podcast, Nothing Personal, where he talks a lot about the business side of sports, Major League Baseball, and I just think he's a good person because he used to be in these meetings, these owner meetings. He used to be representative for Miami in those owner meetings. He knows what Manfred is like. He knows just the way and the landscape of baseball and what it's been for a large part of 20 years. So, you know, Mike Barrett was on with Isaac and Sue a couple days ago. I listened to it yesterday. A couple things caught my uh, caught my ear, and I wanted to run some of this stuff down with David. And so if you missed that interview, you can catch it at 1080thefan.com. He may have made you feel more optimistic and may have uh, made some of you out there who have been loud about the pessimistic approach of all of it maybe breathe a sigh of relief here. He described it as a marathon. Me and Swag had a debate, not so much like embracing a debate, but back and forth a couple weeks ago. I'm one, and I'm not... You know, I have no business experience largely. I'm a terrible salesman. Uh, we had a conversation about who are these people? Who are the financial backers? And Barrett has talked about this a couple times of eh, now is not the time. And I, I just I've kind of been under under the impression, impression that knowing the name could be great. We asked David Sampson, 
where, when you do that, how important it is. This is what David Sampson had to say about letting the potential owners of the expansion be known. So it's totally up to you. If you want to know who the money is, then you won't get a team. And he, why do I say that? Major League Baseball, the commissioner, and the owners who are going to be voting for which city gets expansion and then which ownership group gets it, they don't want people getting ahead of themselves and getting out there in public before they've got approval and before they've got a team. So the smart people around the country who want to own a team, they are very, very quiet. And that's what this group has. I know Mike Barrett talks publicly. Craig Cheek once in a while talks publicly. The financial part of the group, because they're also a part of this, a big part of this, the financial part of that group, we don't know. They're there. They're going to put a bid in for the red tail lot. I think it's easy to say and probably a universal agreement. If you're spending $60 million on a plot of land, you're a pretty serious group. Uh, but I was wrong on that. Swag was right. He also went on to talk about these owners, whoever they are, baseball is going to pay attention to how aggressive and how much you're going to contribute versus being on the receiving end of what all the other teams that are working hard do. However... What is way more important when you are looking at expansion is whether or not that city will be able to actually support a team and that you are not adding a revenue-sharing recipient. They want to add a revenue-sharing payor, or at worst, revenue-sharing neutral, but really you want a revenue-sharing payor. You want to make the pot bigger. You want to make it so there is more sharing of money, and that takes precedence. He also describes Salt Lake, because we talked about Salt Lake, who seems and feels, I think, to everybody here, hey, they moved ahead a little bit. They've got Oregon native Ty Burrell from Modern Families, a part of this group. Dale Murphy, uh, Major League Baseball, great here. And he was a part of the Diamond Project. He is now <laughs> on their traders. Yeah, we had two traders in this thing. And, you know, politically, they're pretty aligned. I, I know Barrett had said that a lot of city leaders are very supportive of this and been very helpful. You know, the with, Miller family, I think, is back in it over there. Yeah, it's the Miller family who have been tied to the Jazz. Which, and yeah, I mean, they have a ton of, I think, support in Salt Lake just because of, yeah, their ties with Utah Jazz and how great that has gone for them. And also the land situation in Utah structure a little different. Uh, did did David Sampson give you more optimism? If you've have you leaned on pessimism during this from, you know, being high on it and then it goes kind of dark and quiet and then like, uh, okay, you're just doing merch and... Not that they're merch hoarders or anything, but like people, yeah, some of the stuff we would read on the text line. Did he give you optimism that Portland can leapfrog back over Utah? Because he did describe this as a marathon. Yeah, and that last little bit is what gave, and he even said this will give you a little bit of optimism. And I think there is a sense where we don't know where the money is coming from. But I would be shocked that if the MLB didn't know. Like, having these conversations with the league about expansion and trying to make that an option. Like they want to know, they probably want to know the financial backing of this. And those are the people that have to know like, all right, like, yeah, you say you got the money and that there is a financial team behind this, that is going to be able to foot the bill. The public doesn't need to know that until the time is right. Like he said, but the league sure as hell needs to have that reassurance. But that's where I also wonder is that, if they know both the situations with Portland and Salt Lake, are they leaning more Salt Lake just because of like a city perception and how Salt Lake feels in the eyes of... I, I didn't get the read from Barrett that the city perception stuff is a real thing. 
God, it just, I don't know. It feels like Portland is just, again, this kind of goes back to yeah, the... Yeah, but where, they're, where they want to be hubbed is not necessarily... I mean, it's it's Portland light. It's an in-between spot of, of Beaverton and Portland. I get that, but I mean so that around the country, like, and this is, again, kind of goes back to the whole, the negative thoughts are the loudest in the echo chamber of the internet, is that... If you were to ask people around the country what team you would want or what city would want an MLB t- or deserves an MLB team or would be best for MLB, I feel like more people would lean Salt Lake than Portland right now. Why do you feel that way? I think I think it's the opposite. I think that people I mean, would rather go to Portland for a game than Salt Lake City. Well, you should have a talk with my co-host Rashad Taylor because he just clamors how cool Salt Lake City is. No, Salt Lake, is. I'll defend <laughs> Or how Rashad much better Taylor. it is than Portland. Uh, I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to debate that. I, I like Salt Lake City, too. I've been to Salt Lake. Um, it's a cool city. I just, I, I I don't think that that is accurate. And Barrett kind of said this. The leaders of baseball, that's not as big a thing for them as people try to make it out to be. As far as city perception and, like, yeah. to the yes. rest of the league, if the they 29, the, 30 other franchises. If they get the red, t- red tail plot, like, why would baseball care about that narrative? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good point that at that point, it's like... I also, right. I'm kind of getting, like, tired of just the overall... Like, things are not as great as they once were in downtown. I work here every day. Oh, me too. There's I roads mean, I drive down, and I go, ooh, that's kind of nasty. I've also been in downtown a ton. There's really cool spots still. There's still some really good eats. Like, this idea that it's, like, some impossible pit of hell that you cannot walk around... I get it. ...is just wildly inaccurate to me as somebody who actually works here in once in a while comes down here again Barrett already kind of dispelled some of this stuff so to me it's not even a conversation if baseball doesn't care I don't really care what the internet says listen I I, agree. I think we care too much about what the internet says well I agree what you're saying like uh, yeah we live here we see it we know it's not nearly as bad as it sounds but again trying to convince it certainly has its problems I'm not dis- denying that I just this but what idea major city doesn't in a sense right well but, yeah I mean again I just think that the public perception outside of this city is not is not where it needs to be in order to sway MLB to say, like, yeah, this is where we want to put our next friend. But I don't know what you're basing that off of. The Internet is not a real thing. I get it. And, you know, we can look at. I mean, that's why I asked. Uh, but Dave- Barrett said baseball doesn't care about that. So, like, why is that even a thing? Well, if baseball is telling them they that, don't care. And that is Barrett saying that. Uh-huh. Like, of course, he's going to say that. Like. Whether he is, and if he's in the room with the MLB executives and they're saying, like, no, we don't care. I just feel like getting the owners on board with that as well. Well, David didn't seem to, Swag, did you walk away that the perception No, what David is saying is if you put a ball, just because you say it's going to Portland. Yeah. If you put a ballpark somewhere and develop the area and you're going to fill that ballpark up most nights, Mm -hmm. regardless of how bad the team may be in any given season. And you get sponsorship dollars rolling in, and you you're can aggressive think, as a franchise. You're aggressive. To win. You can figure out how to get viewership, whether it's streaming or with a traditional TV. Well, that's worked out. Set up in Portland. If you do all those, and you are going to kick money into revenue sharing, and your owners are going to spend uh, and have a requisite payroll, you're not going to just constantly pocket the money. The biggest beef the big teams have. With revenue sharing, the ones that pay in is the ones that are taking it out aren't putting the money back into the payroll and the product on the field. That is their biggest beef. So the Yankees and Dodgers and Mets and 
Phillies and teams that pay into it. You don't it. want another Pittsburgh Pirates. No, is what they you don't, don't want. You know, for years, the Royals wouldn't pay anybody. They finally put, paid yeah. uh, Bobby Witt Jr. here. So if the team has the resources to put everything together, it's probably $5 billion up front to build the stadium, to fund the team, to pay the expansion, to put the minor league organization in place. If they got the $5 billion you need and Major League Baseball <laughs> believes them and yeah. sees it. And you have a who, West Coast hub. And so now you're in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps travel with Seattle and the Bay Area and all that sort of stuff for teams coming West. You can easily put together road trips where the travel's not uh, horrific, and you're you look like you're going to be able to support the operation uh, with the revenues that you're able to generate. Then that's the most important thing to them. What were you eating? Uh, almond Ruka. God, you have an addiction problem. Everybody in this building has an addiction ah, to this stuff. You guys well, are so good. We're lousy with almond Ruka. Do you see how many of those things we have back there? What do you mean? Everybody's the, eating. Every time I turn the radio on, somebody's eating them. Yeah, I know. There's boxes, and everybody's eating their way through it right now. Oh, I mean, I don't know if you knew, but those were like client gifts that did, yeah, not, Roca. that did not make their way to some clients, so now they are making their way into our stomachs. Uh, <laughs> a lot of stomachs, indeed. Well, we wrap it up. Coming up next, Dirt and Sprague on the fan. I want to do a poll question, but I'm not trying to get in trouble. But I get chastised for my candy choices, and I just think it's remarkable a candy I like, and then people are over here eating certain things. We won't go into that on the air. Everybody's going to have a tizzy fit. Oh, you can't believe you said that on the radio. Oh, Look, everybody has their, their preferences. Their palates are weird. I'm not a peanut butter guy. Like People say, oh, Reese's is the best. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not a peanut butter guy. I don't have anything against Reese's. I'm just not a peanut butter guy. Without if you don't like toffee, okay, not a toffee guy. Well, coconut is trash in basically any capacity. So, I mean, sounds about white from you. Um, This is a funny little comment from uh, the combine. Kyrie Jackson, the DB from Oregon, was asked if Roma Dunze was the best receiver he went against this year, and he said, "No, best receiver I went against was Troy Franklin (laughs) in practice." Yeah. The one-on-one drills. That was getting tense, all right? Tough thing for Kyrie. It's Pride, ego on the line. It's great to defend the teammate. I commend him for that. There's a lot of still images you can Google where Rome is holding a game-winning touchdown catch yeah. as an Oregon DB is on the ground. Uh, let's not let's not talk about that. We also talk about the Pac-12 title game where they just kind of physically manhandled. Yeah. Hey, the Ducks don't let you film practice or take pictures, okay? You no, know, Troy I mean, Franklin's great. He, I think may, he's he might have torched him twice as much in practice. All right. We just don't know. Not a single scout has him near Roma Dunze. But again, I think it's great. A teammate sticking up for another teammate, putting yep. him, putting his stock up. I, yeah, like I was going to say, boost that draft stock, baby. It's also funny to everybody that's not a Duck fan to read that comment and go, well, <laughs> I watched you play that team twice. You guys couldn't guard him. Again, do we really have to revisit this? Why are you? Why are you well, he's this? the one that said it. He's at the combine. I, uh, what do you want? You're bringing up the Washington Roma Dunze stuff, right? I mean, he... Kyrie Jackson's literally the one that was asked the question, and he was like, "No, Troy Franklin's better." Oh, than if Roma I was Dunze. going to lay few next time we have Ken on futures NFL offensive rookie of the year, I would see what Roma Dunze his numbers are. Does that feel worth it? I'd, I'd have to ask him this too as like a follow-up. Does that even feel like a worth it market? That feels like it's the MVP now. It's just the quarterback winning. Because if there was ever a year, ever in a year of the man, I got no, Puka Nakua. Didn't Puka Nakua win it? Or did CJ Stroud? CJ Stroud. Oh. Yeah. If there was ever a year 
to recognize that two positions that are played entirely different are worthy of sharing it, it was this year. Yeah. Puka Nakua should have been co-rookie offensive of the year with C.J. Stroud. But it's the MVP. It's let's give it to the quarterback who's amazing. If there's no amazing quarterback, then we'll reward the position player. But I'm with you. I think Rome's going to be awesome. Hey. I love I love Roma Dunze more than I like Malik Neighbors. Before CJ Stroud, Garrett Wilson, Jamar Chase, the two years prior. How were those rookie classes at quarterback? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If Caleb is even half of what we think he is, his numbers are going to be decent enough to give him that award. Uh, thanks for ha- hopping in today, man. Dude, no problem. Uh, planned it terribly after going to a concert last night. Yeah, you did. You when I sent you that text, I think on Monday or something, I was like, hey, I'll do Thursday. A day yeah. later, I'm like, oh, ass, what have I done? Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us. We will spray the line tomorrow. Got a lot more to get into that I didn't get to on my show sheet. And thanks for hanging with us. You guys have a great Thursday. If you miss any of the show, catch it at 1080thefan.com. We have David Sampson, Chris Mannix, and Ken Barkley. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow bright and early, Dirt and Sprague, 6 to 9 a.m. on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 